it feels like things are wrapping up. It feels like things are coming to a close in a way. Mm, yeah, but also feels like things are going cray cray. Well, sure, sure. At the same time, it's like we're we're dotting our T's and crossing our eyes and exploding our brains. Boom. Welcome to the X Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. <laughs> I know I did that wrong. <laughs> and I'm Justin. No, we're dotting our T's and crossing our eyes. You didn't even look at it. You didn't even react to it. I didn't even notice. So that that is a sure sign of a brain explosion. Welcome. What do you think you're doing saying welcome like that? Who are you welcoming? You don't already... trademark welcome. Okay? But I, you didn't but, trademark welcome. But I, I can say welcome. I can also greet the friends. All right. The folks of the... But they've already been greeted. Sure, that's fine. Double greeting? You go to a party, both hosts don't say hello? Nope. What? What (laughs) Only one is allowed to say hello. terrible parties do you go to? (laughs) Oh, man. We got 10 comics to talk about today. Technically 11. What do you mean 11? Just give it the rundown. Oh, okay. Well, apparently I'm missing one. (laughs) So we've got... Two Infinity Comics, one being Marvel Voices number 32 and X-Men Unlimited number 68. Then we've got X-Men Legends number 5, Dark Web Gold Goblin number 3, Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number 8, Scarlet Witch number 1, Captain Marvel number 45, Marauders number 10, X-Force number 36 and X-Men Red number 10. Wow, that's so many. But apparently there's one more, which is... Love Unlimited, Karma in Love, Infinity Comic number 31. Well, I didn't read that. I didn't know about it until I was doing news, so boom, boom, boom. Oh, dang. You can catch up and then we'll talk about it another day. But I'll tell you what happened. It's part of the news. Great. Okay. There is, you know, we got a ton of comics on this list Mm -hmm. and maybe there's some that you're like "Ah, i'm not reading captain america or i I tried doing this thing last time we'll see how many times i keep up with it (laughs) but in the episode description i included time code for where we start talking about each issue so if you're like oh i don't want to listen to this one because i'm not reading it and i don't want spoilers or i'm going to catch up later or whatever other reason you might want to skip to a specific section now you can do that. Now you can do that. For a limited time, potentially. Who knows? <laughs> For I don't know. as long as Justin feels like it. As long as Justin remembers, kind of like the polls and the questions. Early days, I forgot sometimes. And yeah, that's true. We missed a few. We're I'm building looking, new habits. I'm looking at the highlight and I'm like, where? what happened to this week? Why is that not there? <laughs> Well, is it time then? It's time for... The news? The news! News, 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 You just had to have the last little... I always try to say news backwards at the end, and I don't think you've noticed it, but I have. Swoon? Swoon? Swoon. All right. I've never noticed it. It just kind of sounds like you're saying news. Hey, the 2023 X-Men vote has been teased... Not yet announced. Not yet announced. We haven't seen the lineup. Mm-mm. We got some some visceral reactions, some agains, mm-hmm. <laughs> some uh, why so soon, and and I feel like it's especially jarring 
when we've only had six months with the team itself, right? Because right, the vote itself, well, the vote happens. The vote will happen early, in January, February timeframe. But the actual changeover doesn't happen until June, July, June, July like at the gala. Right. But you're still, yeah, you're only, you've only had that team for six months and then we're talking already about a new team. Right. And I mean, I, I get it. You know, I like this lineup. I like the character development across the team mm-hmm. and I like the, the synergy, even though Havoc already wants to drop out and find some other team to be an X-Man on. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think the vote itself is really fun and it's a great way to engage the fans and to make people feel like they're a part of the process. But I think that two things could happen. It could either happen less frequently, like it could happen every two years instead of every year or even every year and a half, or we could vote on different things. Yeah. You know, like we could vote on the X-Men team. We could vote on a council member. We could vote on something else that's happening. Someone suggested, a couple people actually suggested the idea of just voting on a new member. So not doing a shakeup of the team, but just adding one new member to this current roster. Yeah. Okay. But we do only vote on one member. Right. But we only kept three from year one is what I'm saying. Like you would keep the full lineup that we have, but you would add one new. Yes. Okay. They would. But the vote itself is really only for one, one new member. Right. But the Hellfire Gala announces a new team lineup. Right. I posted it on social media. Like, okay, you, you can pick one person. That has to stay and, mm-hmm. and one person to add on. And unanimously, who do people want to stay? Sink. Sink. is a dead giveaway. Everybody wants him there. Everett Thomas is in this new awakening. This He was the breakout character two years in a row yeah, on AIPT's um... quiz of or, or voting of top stuff. And And was there a particular character that got the majority of the vote for... Wanting to be added to the team? A or? lot of people wanted some second chances oh. for Polaris and okay. for Laura. Either young Laura or Alpha Wolverine, which, you know, that's an interesting dynamic of, okay, well, Sync mm, is there. One or the other. How do you add in something else, right? Scott and Jean, they've got their thing going on. What if they retire and, and pass the, the pass gauntlet. the torch. If they're going to pass it, I say they pass it to Alpha Wolverine and Sink. Cause I That's think, what I'm saying. Yeah, but I'm just saying like younger Laura wouldn't be my choice because right. both of them were an option. So I'm saying not just have two friends, but two I was going to say, have like uh, the mom and dad of the team. Yeah. So Love Unlimited, yes. which has What's been a about? story that, you know, it's on 31 issues now. It had been a Wolverine story previously. It's been a couple of different characters, basically their love life, you know, going mm-hmm. through the different loves of Wolverine was one, going through the different uh, romantic relationships of Kamala Khan. There was a, a Wiccan and Hulkling arc. But this new one is about Karma. Oh. Swan, not Shan, which was a big part of the story. In essentially saying, hey, they've been calling me the wrong name my entire continuity. That's not how it's actually pronounced. Wow. Which is really interesting. Yeah. It's good when that happens because like. Right. When a a creator of the heritage of a character. Right. Informs people in a way. And and the the conversation between Swan and Elle, who's Galora, they're in a relationship or at least, you know. 
are for now. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this thing, you know, it's like when, when someone at the coffee shop calls you by the wrong la- name and you're like, whatever, it's fine. And Galora was like, yeah, but this is your close friends and family for the entire history right, of forever. your friendship. That's not really a barista getting it wrong. Yeah. It was really beautiful art style and a touching love story about being who you are truly and the relationship that karma has with control. Uh, you know, the way her power works, mm-hmm. taking control over people. And it was a really interesting thing that I had never seen her do before where Galora L basically self-selected to be controlled by Swan while they were dancing so she could essentially show her the steps of this dance that she didn't know that's cool yeah it was interesting you check it out yeah i'll have to i started playing midnight suns yeah i only got a little bit in and then alicia told me without me no because alicia told me that i can't play it without her because she wants to know what happens in the story so i'm never going to play this game that's very rude of you to say you'll definitely play i well i liked watching sure it's just you're never around at a time where we can play I feel like I could say shots fired. Right yeah, yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, but they're warranted. I am working on work-life balance for 2023. It's only been one week, and since you played, it's only been during the week. So give me a chance. All right, good. Take it on vacation. I'm not bringing my PlayStation on vacation. True that. True that. It is not like the Switch. Marvel Unlimited is on sale. On sale. If you are interested in Marvel Unlimited, the annual Plus membership is $30 off. So normally I think it's $100 for the Plus membership, which comes with the box, with the Mm -hmm. figure, and a couple of exclusive comics, and a pin, and a patch, and all a couple other stuff sometimes. That is now just the regular annual amount of $70. So $70 for the full year. I attest it is worth it mm-hmm. if you're interested, if you like reading comics, especially back issues that you don't necessarily have, check it out. Look at that. Marvel Unlimited. We have two polls this week. Two polls? There was a really interesting art piece about the Xavier Mansion that I loved to see. So mm-hmm. I shared it in the story and I was like, do you miss Xavier Mansion? Mm. And early on in the poll, it was a resounding no. People were like, yeah. ah, no, I'm good with Krakoa. But we ended up 58% yes, 42% no. Oh. Which was interesting. I feel like I was going to say, I don't miss the mansion, but I can't. You don't, I, you I, don't, don't, I never miss yeah, the mansion, right. so it's not fair. Right. That's not fair. And I think it's also what the mansion represented for characters. I don't miss the mansion personally. Mm-hmm. I, I still have those stories if you want to go back. I feel like going back to the mansion now after the stories that we've been reading feels like regressive, feels mm-hmm. like we've lost ground jordan had an interesting concept for a human outreach center for humans who have mutant children and how to like have some kind Mm, of education that's interesting yeah 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 maybe using the xavier mansion or emma's old massachusetts academy as this outpost i thought that was really cool yeah that is cool wait the Massachusetts Academy is a completely different building than the mansion. Yep. I think I always just assumed that it was like when she was running it, nope. it was called the Massachusetts Academy. Nope. That's where she had the Hellions mm-hmm. and tried to recruit Kitty Pride mm-hmm. for her team. It was kind of a rival team that was basically the Hellfire Club trying to make their own little brotherhood of evil mutants. It didn't work. Three comics in the poll. Three comics in the poll. X-Men Red Marauders. An X-Force. Yes. What do you got? 
X-Men Red wins. Yeah, obviously. So yesterday I decided to write down what my initial thoughts were for the poll. I've never done this before. And I will say this made me question myself. I had, so I'm going to, I'm going to be just completely transparent. I started it out and I had X-Men Red at 87%. And then I was like, I'm, since I'm writing it out, I'm going to do the math and I'm going to say how much percentage left and divide that up. And I thought that's not enough percentage for the other comics. So then I went back and I put X-Men Red at 76%, X-Force at 23%, and Marauders at 3%. Close for Red at 83%. Should have stuck with my gut. You were in the, you know, you had one on one side, one on the other. So right down the middle, 83%. Marauders at 9%. 9%. Well, and, it was a an X-Force issue. at 8%, which I was surprised to see. Eight, like that, wait, X-Force yes, got less? Yeah. Then Marauders? Yeah. Huh? Oh, well, okay. I'm gonna say it's because of the. It it's was because a, it was, of the. What? It was a pretty it's good because issue. of that moment. Remember the other day I said I needed the what? It yeah. was that. It was that moment in in Marauders that that did it. I think. We'll never know. We don't. Well, we you don't. Guys, do, y'all could tell us. We don't do exit polls. Yeah, yeah it's we, not like. Yeah. Okay. Fair. 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 Are we ready to talk Infinity? The yeah, let's, let's talk about the Snicks. Oh, man. This creepy scientist revealing himself. Mm-hmm. He keeps on talking about having them staged together. Like, is he going to stuff them? Is he a taxidermist that's going to make this uh, a display? You can't have people chained up as a amusement park attraction. So I don't know if, if this yeah, is. Yeah, it feels like taxidermy for right. sure. Right. And then smelly Jonathan to the rescue. I love the fact that Wolverine... Oh, wait, wait a minute. Something smells familiar. I Well, okay. But don't call Jonathan smelly because Wolverine smells everyone. Sure. But they it was a joke in the last couple of issues where they're right. talking about how he had a very specific smell. And the fact that he noticed it. Wait, wait a minute. What is that? That's that Jonathan smell. Yeah. And we get this little square off action shot that I posted today. It's just like... Uh, Planet X-Men said that that was the back cover of their music album. I, I so good. And I, I was trying to decide what would be What's their, music, their style? music genre. And I said edgy Canadian country music. Mm. And it's a little angry. It's not your your woeful American country music. I feel like and what's edgy Logan for Canadian plays too? the spoons. <laughs> <laughs> he plays the claws. He just, he just hits his claws together and yeah. it makes metal sounds. Ding, ding. And then they free the honey badgers in this. They release the yeah. badgers. Run animals. And then they, they actually end it off with a family vacation finale. Like a real one. Like a real one. They, they do all the little trips. They have a newspaper clipping of Nature Girl coming in and doing something. And I'm like, wait a well, minute. Yeah, uh, well, because Logan is like, I know someone who can come and handle this. And yeah. then the way that they show Nature Girl and she's all like all happy. regressed and, to her previous. Like, that's not the Lin Lin that we know currently. Yeah, it's uh, confusing. Right. It might just be a, a misstep on the continuity. But this was written by Stephanie Williams. Art by Alan Robinson. Colors, KJ Diaz. Letters, Joe Sabino. He's Joe Sabino. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Were you excited about seeing this come to a close? 
The no. full arc? No, you know, you like this? I don't want it to end. I did but too. But I, I enjoyed it. Like, I thought it this was a, solid was a end. great arc. No, I posted I, today, like, this was a joy to read. It was yeah. just so much fun. Yeah, for sure. But I, I could... I could get more snicks in my life. Yeah. I also put it in the story for folks to say, what other family do you want to have a story about? We mm-hmm. had we had a couple of great answers. Uh, the Guthrie's was one, okay. which was good. The, obviously, the, the House of M, right? right. Yeah. Uh, Destiny, Mystique, Nightcrawler, Rogue. Rogue. Right? That would be great. <laughs> the, would be. Some, the Fisher family, obviously, had obviously. a couple of shout outs. Don't yeah. say the Summers. I don't care. Of course the Summers. No, summers Gray. They get enough. I mean, you look at X-Men issue one from Hickman and, and a lot of that story, but... They've got enough. But just, you know, the the Chandelier trip. That was their family vacation. All right. Sinister and all his clones. <laughs> He's a family unto himself. <laughs> Sinister and his the other Sinisters. faces. The, the only reason that Sinister is on the action figure display today is because he makes a sneaky appearance. A sneaky, sneaky appearance. Well, let's talk about X-Men Unlimited then. All right. Well, As, speaking of Nature Girl. Right. The Dark Riders are coming in to take Nature Girl down. Well, Curse is dead. Yeah. We get this like kind of recap and get to see Curse blooded head all over the place yeah, again. it's disturbing. Yeah. It's almost like a, hey, do you remember X-Men Green? Do you remember what was happening here? Because here we go. Girl has lost it. This, this talk about struggle and death between the Dark Riders was really interesting. And as we go on to the other side, after talking about the need for an autopsy for Curse, and Magic, Kate, and Jean talk about the Armageddon Man. Mm-hmm. This mutant force that no one knew about. Shaw's shadow docket that had him off the map yeah it was interesting to find out that shaw was involved in that right and and to not really have too much detail beyond that that shaw had set something up to put him off here so that i guess he couldn't be recruited or stolen or which is like kind of a good thing right kind of a bad thing as we get a quiet council discussion over Curse's resurrection with Kate's foot and leg through Shaw's oh, body. God, I love it. <laughs> I love me some good Kate v. Shaw banter. Oh, yeah. And she just, she is obviously, ever since that issue where her and Emma and even Storm just go to his house and beat the crap out mm-hmm. of him. It's a new dawn. <laughs> we reconnect with our underground snack time. As Nature Girl and the Armageddon Man are eating bullfrogs in the sewers, and she takes a roundabout way to blame horticulture. Yeah, she just, she's not in a good place. Everything is everyone else's fault, and she's in the right, and she's too extreme. Like, she's way too extreme. She needs to be reined in a bit. No, because the antlers? I didn't. I, <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't intentional. This is Reach. Written by Steve Orlando. Art by Amelia Lasso. Colors, Rachel Rosenberg. Letters, Josephino again. Josephino again. He's, he's it is a Steve Orlando week. Mm. He's all over the place. He's all over the place. But before we talk about more Steve Orlando, we're talking X-Men Legends number five. So let's let's give everybody who is maybe thinking about using that skip button. Uh, let's just preface this by saying we are not going to go. We are going to go super duper high level 
on yeah. a bunch of these. Just just say some thoughts, bang them out, get on to the next one so we can get to the juicy, juicy Krakoan books. Yes. So, X-Men Legends number five. Bishop's origin story, question mark? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, at least his backstory in his XSE days and a really interesting story about his role and conscience just being used and standing up for mutants. Mm-hmm. And we get to this story about him and Randall and Malcolm, his brothers, his brothers in arms. Mm-hmm. I love the art. Honestly, I love the story as well. This is probably one of my favorite issues of X-Men Legends. Yeah, it was really good. It was entertaining. I think it was interesting, this like idea that he thought he was a good guy, you know, essentially like working for the good guys, policing things, and then realizing no, he's, he's actually kind of be u- being, being manipulated used yeah. in a way that he's not super fond of. Right. And just to have Wills Portacio on the book in such a big way. So he is the artist and a co-writer of the story and is the creator of Bishop. Oh, that's cool. Right. Also, the other co-writer is Brian Haberlin and colors by Arif Prianto and letters, Joe Caramagna. Oh, VC, Joe Caramagna. Our interior art team on the cover as well. Mm, I love to see that. Yeah. This was interesting. Just this, what you were saying before, this mutant family, quote unquote mutant family that he's sent in to take down or bring Mm -hmm. in and he sees it a different way. And then all of a sudden these sentinels that were supposed to be ornaments, essentially just statues come to life and destroy this house yeah, and these this, people. This idea that like you're sent on a mission and you're not supposed to ask questions. You're just supposed to do the mission and surprise, if you're not gonna do it, we're gonna send the sentinels in to do it. And the sentin like and it's a mutant run organization, no? Right. Sending sentinels against other mutants. Like that to me is well, that's the biggest crime there is as a mutant. That was such an interesting point of the narrative was just no, even when mutants are in control, we find that same hate, that same greed mm-hmm. that the humans do. We we find that same way of manipulating our own people, cough, cough, Hank McCoy, <laughs> where things happen differently based on what they feel they need or how to protect the power that they have. Mm-hmm. Dealing with these fools in charge, bonding with his friends, and then coming up with a plan that neither of his, his two brothers like. <laughs> To break out all of the prisoners as they consult with Trevor Fitzroy. You got to think if you're seeing this one experience where all these, this one prisoner is like wrongfully accused or going to be wrongfully imprisoned, it really makes you go, hmm, I got a feeling the rest of these people are not supposed to be here. No, not at all. What'd you think about this? I thought, I thought it was interesting. It's like sort of. A glimpse into a portion of X history that I really don't know a lot about. X future almost. Yeah. Too. And and it's an interesting parallel to some other stories and just really cool to see where Bishop comes from and the things in his past slash future that make him who he is. Yeah. Just even though it's not set in Krakoan times, it definitely gives you a broader understanding of the character and like what he fights for and what he stands for. And what he carries with him. And just right. it makes me think of that issue of Marauders where he's feeling that the world is not good enough for 
Malcolm and Randall, mm-hmm. that that's why he hasn't brought them back. No mm-hmm. mention of his sister, Shard, but... Sorry. Sorry, Shard. Or maybe that was who he was thinking about. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was about Malcolm and Randall. No, it was, yeah. yeah but Because no, I, I kind of knew who they were, but because not of her. That, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was interesting because I don't really... There's a, there's a miniseries, Bishop the Last X-Man, that delves into this time and his character story that I don't think I've read before. Mm. So this was probably the most illuminating character study of Lucas Bishop cool. for me. And we got one, at least one more of this coming later on. But Oh, I like that. Now, again, a, a real quick look at Gold Goblin. Oh, Gold Goblin. Okay. I mean, here's what I've got to say about Gold Goblin. I do feel bad for Norman a little bit. You know, oh, yeah. like he's really trying to work through and change himself and better himself. And this idea that he's just trapped with the guilt of all of these things and that the Queen Goblin is basically trying to revert him back, yeah. you know, turn him back into the Green Goblin. She like, wants that green guy. That's not cool. That's not cool, lady. Yeah. No, this was intense just to see the amount that he's struggling with internally, the, these terrifying dreams that he's mm-hmm. having, the trying to find a purpose as a, a quote unquote hero because he still doesn't feel he fits the bill. Right. right? To have been one of, if not the arch nemesis of Spider-Man for so long and to have done some really terrible things to a lot of people. Right. Like, you know, he doesn't have the the connectivity to these sins but he still has the memories and he still feels the guilt from having done all these awful things right and when you're in a situation too like that he's in now where you know things are happening in the city that could seem nightmarish and then you're having these really vivid dreams and and you're struggling with all of this guilt he's having a difficult time differentiating reality and his nightmares and understanding like who's on his side which makes it Quite funny to me when this just this party Spider-Man party Spider-Man gets ripped to shreds oh, because who ordered a Spider-Man? Which is interesting to me because I feel like why is Norman so upset that it's Peter? Because well, it's not Peter's fault that Ben is wreaking havoc on the city, but he's not sure where Peter ends and Ben begins, right? So he doesn't know how long it's been Ben, and I think that that's right, something that okay. we, we don't know. Like we, at least I've been reading Amazing Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure most, if not all of that has been Peter. Peter, right. But But Norman Norman... doesn't know what to believe, what to hate, how to react and and just to to go off at this children's birthday party on this child's entertainer in a Spider-Man outfit. Like, like, I like too that he kind of goes off on everybody and someone's like, I think they just asked for like a superhero and they just happen to send Spider-Man. Yeah, it wasn't specifically trying to set you off. But it is interesting to think that, you know, when we were reading the first, the uh, the previous issue and um, Ben says like, oh, I pretend to be Peter so that I could damage your suit or alter your suit. I took that as like, oh, he just snuck in one day under the guise that he was Peter. But yeah. I, Norman took that as like, how long have I been being fooled by right. you? Yeah, no. And then this this reconnecting or, or epic fight and then mulling over this relationship with jack-o'-lantern because <laughs> jack-o'-lantern comes in and destroys some stuff and then you know we we're both just hurting we're both just working through it everyone's going through some stuff right now i don't want all these villains to be redeemed in some way but this is a nice 
recognizing your demons. It's funny to you had said to see all these demons around mm-hmm. and the difference is it was early on. I think it was the the first issue, the first one shot of Dark Web where I Googled, what's the difference between a demon and a goblin? <laughs> because who knows these things? And it's usually the size and or the magic inherent of them that that's more demon, a larger magically enabled character versus a goblin, more small minion. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a nice heart-to-heart moment of understanding and seeing each other in the other, seeing themselves in the other one. Yeah, I think I've said it the last couple of times, but just the, the textures of the colors in this book are mm-hmm. really nice. And I feel like have, a, especially with the darkness of the city throughout the back half of the issue, really make you feel like, there's there's darkness, but we're working through it. Even this end where there's light in the distance, mm-hmm. metaphorically working through the darkness within these characters as they're finding some redemption. Yeah. You know, we talk about it all the time, the, the things that set comics apart from other mediums. And that's one of the things is the way that the visuals can really enhance the story. And some of that's so cool because you don't even know that it's happening like it's so subtle that your subconscious picks it up and and your like whole self feels immersed in the understanding of the mood of the story and all of that but you don't you might not even be picking up that that's what the artist is doing or that's how they're helping facilitate those emotions or that understanding of the story in another on another level right and and you know you want to talk about a massive art team uh, just one penciler, but three inkers, three colorists. This was written by Christopher Cantwell. Pencils by Lan Medina. Inks by Lan Medina, Scott Hanna, and Wayne Foucher. And colors by Antonio Fabella, Andrew Crossley, D. Canefi, and Peter Pantazis. Letters Joe Sabino. VCs Joe Sabino. Torin Clark on the cover. And you know, whenever there's that many inkers and colorists, it means this was running late and they mm, needed to get it out. They were like, everybody, let's go. This is on a time crunch. We need this to go to slot in with the rest of the issues of the event. Teamwork makes a dream work, baby. All hands on deck. Overall thoughts on, on Norman, on Gold Goblin? On- I think like as a story for Norman, this is very interesting. This would be what I would say the least important of the dark web stories. As I'm reading them so far. Like this is the one that I feel I wasn't um annoyed or bored reading it i didn't feel like ugh, i have to read this but i do feel like this is very specifically about norman. a story for norman and very lightly and loosely ties into the overarching story of dark web right without queen goblin there's really nothing tying him to limbo or no, there's just like ben the Riley. Brief mentions of the demons around and and the heroing that he does in relation to that yeah i like this just because you know, I've read Norman for years, obviously, in various capacities, but this is probably the first time that I've read him at least trying to be redeemed. Mm-hmm. In this light. Are you ready for the, the shortest, most hyped cameo? Oh, I, was, I wouldn't say this is the shortest. I'm sure there are shorter Oh, sure, cameos. sure, sure. I, and it's probably just I was disappointed because of how much it was. Like, Emma Frost is literally spelled out and visibly on the cover Right. Yes. I mean, maybe it was disappointing to you, but it wasn't disappointing to me um, because it just made me feel like, yeah, Emma's important and she's influential and she's 
got it going on. Yeah. You know? Call her in. Call in mommy. Call in the big guns. Call in mommy. So what happened in this story? I mean, there's AIM, right? So there's something going on with AIM. They're taking down New York, going crazy, and it's a problem. And uh, they're attacking Steve's home, and all of his neighbors are banding together because they secretly know or not so secretly know that, no, that's Captain America. I'm, I'm aware. Mm-hmm. And you've got the team up. So Captain America Steve calls in one of the Captain America Corps or whatever he calls the group. This was a miniseries that was a year or so ago, the, the Captain's America. Mm-hmm. And each state seemingly has someone that wears the mantle of Captain America. So this guy, Captain America of the railways, essentially. <laughs> of the railways. Yeah. And finding somewhere that they as a team can regroup and find what they need to do to make it to the next step. How they can figure out what's going on and what happened to them. Because apparently, as they all find, there are days missing from their experiences. Yes. So basically, the call to Emma Frost is to help them get their memories back. Yeah. And our good friend Modok is involved. Not not Modok, the one you know and love, but Modok, M-O-D-O-C. Different. Different Modok. Different Modok. I do want to shout out the art here mm-hmm. because Carmen Camaro is just like these pages of Emma going into their subconscious. So she goes into everybody's minds except for Peggy Carter because she's like not interested. I I'll comment on the dynamics of the group. Yeah. After. Sure. But yeah, Peggy's like, no, not getting in my brain. Not happening. I don't trust today, Satan. (laughs) The idea of the mutant supremacist or genetic supremacist different but you know we're, we're going to take over eventually and eventually and supremacy yeah. will come afterwards yeah but this like the red yeah. of modok's evil and his sort of tampering with their minds versus the blue of emma yeah and the way that it looks like water and also the um this bottom corner where she's like kind of leaving and you see that she's like disintegrated to a skeleton as she's still in the like crazy mind goo area and then she like turns back into herself yeah not today exiting yeah i mean you know we shouted out carmen but even nolan woodard on colors especially those pages Mm -hmm. i just feel like what a great contrast between the red reds and the the really light and white blues and then she's like "All all right i'm out i gotta go cool Mental organism designed only for control. That's your problem. Sorry about it. Me and my girl, Lords, we gots to go. Don't call me again, please. In the meantime, Stephen, do be a stranger. Mutants have enough Modoc problems on our own. <laughs> and don't even get me started on America. I mean, that's true. It's true. It's funny. So Warline points out the fact that AIM and Modoc are your problems. As, you know, AIM, Hydra, rogue organizations are loosely connected to orcus Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's all connected to orcus i think it seems at least by this story which i'm not reading but it seems by the story that there is a faction of aim that still exists as aim and that orcus has recruited some of their scientists as part of its group right yeah but yeah no these are connected to the supremacists that you're fighting at large yeah 
And we're ending the issue with a little heart to heart between Sharon and Steve. And yeah. I just, here's the thing. I'm not reading this. So what I'm going to say, it doesn't mean anything and it doesn't matter. So like, don't come for me. This is an Alicia Wilder personal opinion. I don't like having Peggy and Steve in a comic together. And the fact that Sharon is dating Steve. It's weird. I don't like it. I'm angry about it. I'm angsty about it. I'm uncomfortable <laughs> by it. I'm like, okay, Peggy's your aunt, but she's also your age because of some reason why she's here at this time frame. But she's she's got to still be in love with Steve, and that's why she's so angsty about Emma. And also, like, why is Sharon so chill about Emma? And, like, nobody's going to bring up that Steve called Emma mommy in order to get her there? Well, like, he, did, he did it telepathically, so I don't know if they heard the call. Okay, well... But it's just... it, it is weird. And it also it was ruffling Warline about the fact that, OK, if, if Cap is calling Emma mommy, does that mean that we're not going to get what he and I have suspected of the genes from Emma and Steve being what was used to create the cuckoos? Because the cuckoos are a weapon of Weapon X or Weapon mm-hmm. Plus. Well, I, why would that mean that yeah, yeah. they wouldn't get that? Well, it just this issue seems to distance their relationship and does not give any forward momentum to that understanding. Mm. I see. But wise guy seventy three seventeen oh one just all caps mommy exclamation mommy. point. I mean that was the, in the preview too, mm-hmm. which I think was also part of the like we had most of the cameo in the preview pages. So I was like, okay, no, you didn't. Yeah, the juice of the cameo was was the, the dive in stuff. the thing. Yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. But we had the setup. I can feel how I want to feel. Okay, but I'm just disagreeing. Let me feel my feelings. I'm just disagreeing that you didn't get most of the cameo. It was you not got as, all of it was Lord's not as cameo. featured as I was expecting it. But yes. it was a good comic. It was a good story. Written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, the duo that I guess are also taking over a newly announced Guardians of the Galaxy title. Oh, interesting. Art by Carmen Carnero, who is a current Stormbreaker. Colors by Nolan Woodard. Letters, Joe Caramagna. VCs, Joe Caramagna. Carmen and Alejandro Sanchez on the cover. All right. I mean, as we get into what I'd consider more of the meat of the episode, I do want to shout out Curls noticing all these books coming out with leading ladies at the center. Let's go. We have Scarlet Witch here. We have Captain Marvel next. We have Marauders with Kate. Mm -hmm. We have Storm rocking it. We have Sage Sage and Domino. Domino. Yeah. It's true. Gotta love those women. Those Marvel women. Let's talk about this, Scarlet Witch. I was not sure what to expect and was pleasantly surprised. Yes. Did you enjoy this issue? I did enjoy this issue. And it was honestly kind of encouraging about what could come from this as a title. It's it's a pretty simple enough blanket setup with mm-hmm. this last door convention to fuel the creation of stories. Yeah, could get repetitive after a while, but it could also evolve from there. And we're only in issue one, and I'm interested. I mean, what I really liked about it was that I like that Wanda is connecting with like very real world people and like solving their problems, which might seem like they're small problems, but they're not because they're these people's like last hope. Right. They're that of, desperate of doing this. But I think in terms of wanda looking for redemption and a chance to kind of 
make amends for all of the things that have happened, her being able to really like dig into her community and help people on a one-on-one basis is really cool. And then I also like this very, I don't know, I don't know if homey is the right word, but it just feels very like family. Yeah, like it's a fa- it's a family story. It's very You have I mean, you have Pietro being yeah. a pretty decent part of it. You have the tease of Polaris coming in issue three. You have Viv at the end of the issue and going into issue two. And just like her and Darcy and that kind of connection. I think and and that it's the shop. And when you see Wanda in the shop, she's in this very like Caring, just pedestrian yeah, yeah. outfit. And it's not about like super heroics. It's about like it's just about helping people. But also balanced with some super heroics as she's taking on supernatural threats. Right. right? You have the, the opening couple of pages, which almost feels like, all right, here's your action. You wanted a superhero comic. Here you go. Mm-hmm. And then even the controller, the, the big bad of the issue. There is this to and from and and to delicately or at least not hit you over the head with it, Wanda working through the stuff that she's dealing with. I don't Mm -hmm. know a whole lot about Wanda's story. You know, I've read the couple of things I've read Disassembled. I've read House of M, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so I know some of the things that even in that page where Controller is telling her to remember all of the traumatic things that she's done, which is a really great page. But she's coming to terms with all of that. She's mm-hmm. trying to make peace with all of that. She's trying to redeem herself and her relationship with these people. The fact that she's now known as the redeemer instead of the pretender right. on Krakoa. This this image that I'm talking about with all the splits and all of this historical context of different instances. You know, Billy and Tommy. You have Hope with AVX. You have like her and Pietro in their early days as children, this is going to be the cover for the second printing because it's already going into a second printing. That's awesome. It sold so well. That's really great. Yeah, I think it's just a very like heartwarming story. And I think I, I was nervous because of other things that it was going to be too complex. Yeah, no, I, I totally and understand. the simplicity of it was yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I would 100% agree. I feel like we are... Dancing around what will be in a couple of comics of just (laughs) uh, a track record of complexity and large concept, high concept plot, uh, but instead really diving into a specific lead character and what they're working through. And just a really heartwarming and accessible, connected story. You know, like I as a reader felt like I could really connect to the story. I understood what was going on. It. It moved. It had a nice flow to it. The character connection seemed great. Like we were the building. Art, the art was yeah, beautiful. That was the next thing I was going to say is Sarah the art. Pacelli. I really like the art. Yeah. So Sarah, much. Sarah Pacelli and Matthew Wilson. Mm-hmm. The dynamic duo that I didn't know I needed because it just the, the facial expressions, the textures of colors, just it, it brings you into that homey mm-hmm. family yeah. feel that we're talking about because of the smiles, the emotions, the the curiosity in their eyes. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And you know, it it's a magic book, so right. So obviously, you're in. Obviously, I like that. Do you know that this is the first appearance of Darcy in the comics? Really? Yeah, she was only an MCU character, and now has been written into the comics because I of that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that for you, Darcy. Let's go. Right. 
And then that last page. Viv. Her daughter, essentially. Yeah, question mark. Yeah, but that's cool that she's there. Interested to see what that's all about. And we'll find out more in the next issue. Mm-hmm. This was written by Steve Orlando, art by Sarah Pacelli, inks by Elisabetta D'Amico, colors Matthew Wilson, letters Corey Pettit. Oh, VC's Corey Petit. Russell Dodderman on the cover, mm, both yes. pencils and colors, as well as that design page at the end. So mm-hmm. designing this new look for Scarlet Witch, I mean, which you, I do like. You know I love a Russell Dodderman anything. Well, and I also just love... His work on these design sheets and mm-hmm. just how they look like a little character one shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big picture. It sounds like you loved it. I did. I really liked it. I wouldn't say loved it. I wasn't oh. like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing comic ever. But I did really like it. And I I had my guard up when I read it. Yeah. No, I and I am glad that I enjoyed it. Yeah. I said I pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. you know i am excited that i'm enjoying it and i'm looking forward to enjoying more of it mm-hmm. rufi o'connor michael said it was so good i like seeing pietro lorna is coming here's hoping more from house of m yeah a little family dynamic going yeah carl's thought it was a lot of fun while war lion thinks that it's going to get canceled after five issues oh war lion it'll go the way of iron fist where it'll just kind of Get shuffled along and then you'll get a one shot. I didn't realize that that one shot that we read because of Judgment Day was an after the fact, like closing like up. Like wrap of, it up. Yeah. For Iron Fist. I mean, I don't want to poo poo your theory, Warline, but if it's already going for a second printing, I, think I got, don't think that it's going to cancel after five issues. I think it's got enough legs to make it to two arcs at least. And we'll see if it can continue from there. You have a second printing on the first issue and you have a high-profile mutant in the third issue, Mm -hmm. you're going to get at least to five, and then you're going to start into the second arc. And then once you're started into the second arc, they're not just going to be like, all right, pull the plug. Right. Especially for, you know, the the caliber of character of Iron Fist versus Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch, people have been waiting for this. This comes, people come out for Scarlet Witch. Right, and also you have to think, you're specifically putting Darcy in here from the MCU, and the way that Wanda has blown up in the mcu like you're gonna get you could potentially get movie fans who hadn't really read comics knowing about this comic and wanting to read it which is similar to and it's interesting how it's still here on the stack the invincible iron man which has a lot more of a tie to the knowledge base that you might get from the mcu only Mm -hmm. not from tony's actual comic history and giving you a, a way in but not feeling like you're burdened with needing to know everything that's happened in this character. Mm-hmm. Just like, okay, it's that that page is essentially an editor's note. Like, yeah, there's stuff you don't know. Right. Don't worry about it. We'll get there. Right. We'll figure it out. We'll bring it up as we go. And then we'll give you a little bit more specifics right. as we work yeah, through like it. It's, I think it's also geared towards or a, it's like a gateway comic. Yeah, as it should be. That's mm-hmm. great. Here for it. Because I think it, it, it works for everybody. Yeah. You know what else works for everybody? What? Captain Marvel. Oh, it does. I you don't you don't agree? <laughs> your face your face just changed. I so love this arc. I love this arc so much. I love it. What is it specifically about the arc that you love so much? I love the uh, I love the brood. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's you love the brood. Top down, you know, that's what I come out for is the brood. Love mm-hmm. the brood. But I also just love an X-Men team mission, because that's basically what this is. You, mm-hmm. know, you have Spider-Woman, you have Captain Marvel, you have Hazmat, 
But other than that, it's a majority of X-Men members that I like all of the X-Men members that are here. Yes. And I love the way that Gambit is written here. I feel like this oh, is yeah. the most action great Gambit's Gambit got. Issue. Most action that he's got in years, arguably. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like this is a dynamic that we don't really see. And a s- sustained story arc of X-Men collaborating with people outside of X-Men. Mm-hmm. I just feel like... Kelly Thompson has a really good handle on these characters and especially with Captain Marvel. Like I was talking to Chris and apparently nobody's really been reading the Captain Marvel at the shop. Oh, really? That, you know, he was picking it up. He was adding extra copies early on, but nobody was really like getting into it. That's why the first issue when I went, you didn't, didn't have it, didn't right? have any extra copies. And as I was there, the one guy that does pull this comic was blown away that nobody else was reading it because he thinks it's so great Mm -hmm. and it really is yeah i definitely think it's a great issue i mean a great series i I like it a lot yeah i just like where was your resident reticence no no it's not that it's just i i enjoy it but i don't crave it and i was just interested to see what it was about it that because when you you know, when you started talking about it, like your face lit up and, and I know you've been really enjoying it. So I just wanted to know like what it is that makes it so wonderful it, to you. It's the brood mm-hmm. is the big part. And it's the fact, you know, you're talking about craving it. Uh, I'm excited about this crossover, mm-hmm. this little mini crossover coming up. That's and, and such an interesting way to do it too. The amount of people that have been talking about this book and people that have gone back and picked up these issues mm-hmm. because of it. And now to tie it into the main line team, like that's a great ploy. I'm not going to sub Captain Marvel after this, but maybe I'll read some more of it on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. I mean, I did think it was really good. And I, I do like how it all unfolded. You know, I like this idea that they're in this, somewhat simulation because they're all trapped and yeah. and I like that it was Remy saying that's not my rogue right like, something is awry here to, you know it's not one it. of the it's not like Psylocke is involved in the unraveling but it's not someone with a brain power who is realizing that their brains are being manipulated no, it's him it's listening him, to his heart right knowing Deep in his soul, how much he loves Rogue and how much well he knows her and knowing that's not her. And so they're in this little Shi'ar party, right? As the two of them start talking about what this is and Kanan just coming at him with the psychic knife through the skull. Oh, man. Yeah. Just, okay. To, let me just wake you up from this night. Right. Then. And, and then what Gambit does, these couple of pages for Gambit just talking to himself, figuring this out cutting open his leg strategically so that it doesn't alert the hive mind of the brood but still Mm -hmm. frees himself from the power dampening yeah it was so cool it is really i thought it was a really great issue for gambit i thought like i was just so excited to see of this of this team the one who's going to be starting the charge to get them out of this mess being gambit i i loved that yeah and then I really like Carol, too. I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I'd not really read many of her issues otherwise, but her leadership skills, the just character that she's got as she's able to take control. The, the number of times that Laura is like, 
ah, she's in charge. She's bossy. I like it. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm into it. That dynamic is a is fun. And Laura even, and Carol together. Yeah, even Laura too, to to see her on full display getting to slice things up. The Well, that num- page. Yeah, the number of callbacks of the brood not trusting Wolverines. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the original brood story, Wolverine's healing factor is able to fight and fight through the brood infestation mm. within him. So he's able to essentially kill off the brood that's been planted within him. Well, that's cool. But this page of it's like essentially I think it's an interesting page because it's sort of like combines Remy and Laura together because these individual images of her slicing through brood are kind of like trading cards and mm. then she's like or like playing cards and then she's hanging out over them and I just I love that image. I mean, I love me some Laura, so Yeah. Oh, that was a really beautiful page. Warland called out the fact that finally after 10 years of messing up Carol as a character, someone remembers that she is a human who struggles like everyone else Mm. and that she had serious problems, mainly being an alcoholic. And the fact that, you know, that note on one of the panels, I didn't drink the champagne. Right. It was all just a and and that's what I got. I don't know the character history, Mm. but even just reading that, I was like, oh, she must have had alcohol issues in her past. I didn't know. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I didn't. I got that she didn't drink the champagne, but I I didn't uh, well, just the, process the, that as like a, she, I thought she just did, happened to not drink it. Not just that the she note like, from Jessica about why are you smiling because of this? Mm-hmm. And just the elated feeling and oh, I'm going to start crying if we start talking about this and I should not cry around the brood. That's a bad look. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. And though they have made it out of the simulation, they have not made it out of danger. Yeah, as they seem to be being led into a much larger trap. So they split the party and go to these two energy signatures at opposite ends of the tunnel as a brood queen and empress is watching and luring them into the power trap that they want because they they want all their powers. The brood drones specifically have instructions to kill Wolverine but subdue everyone else. Well, yeah, because they know they can't fight a Wolverine. Can't fight down a Wolverine. How are they going to kill her? Yeah, right? Come on. Silly brood. You throw in space, maybe. That's mm, all you got. Maybe. Revenge is a best is a dish best served always. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think? I like this story. I'm entertained by the story. I like the character dynamics. I was really excited for what happened with with Remy and I actually really like the art. I like the action of it, like the momentum that I feel in the action pages. I very much like like it's a lot of for me it's a lot of like their body positions and the way their hair blows in the wind and yeah and and also just to see the dynamic shift from the party Mm -hmm. looks of them and the way that they're relating to each other to the actual action poses Mm -hmm. shows a good range for this artist you know we're talking about the art let's give the credits written by Kelly Thompson art by Sergio Davila inks by Sean Parsons colors by Arif Prianto and Yen Nitro. Letters, Clayton Coles. He sees Clayton Coles. The cover, Juan Frigeri and Jesus Abertov. Yeah, cool. I'm a big I fan. like to see like the more we talk about the credits and stuff, like these teams that generally work together, you know? Especially artists and colorists. Mm-hmm. They are often paired and, and work together. Like Andy Kubert and Frank Martin often mm-hmm. work together. Yeah. Russell and Matt Wilson often work together. Marte has the people that he works with and it's normally the heavy hitters. You have uh, 
Pepe and Valerio mm-hmm. are often colored by Marte specifically. Yeah, Curls loved the brood story. Kelly writes a great gambit. Yeah. Can't agree. And Mike Loves Mariah Carey is shipping a Laura and Captain Marvel relationship. Yo, let's go. I'm here for that. Loved this book this week. Same, Mike. I would love that. <laughs> That'd be so dope. No, that was great. I'm here for the next arc and to see it tie into and, and just that as a concept. Like this is obviously set a little bit further back just because, mm-hmm. you know, time is irrelevant. Right. But sure. because of Laura and Lorna together yep, as having, like on the X-Men team. Having been at the treehouse mm-hmm. and then, you know, when the Hellfire Gala takes place in relation to all this, how Kanan is here and right. also in two billion years in the past. Right. Timey wimey. Who knows? <laughs> Timey wimey. But it's just really good. It's interesting, too, that like this is still billed as the Captain Marvel story. And it's saying like we haven't gotten into the crossover yet when exactly what you're saying, like the X-Men are such a huge part yeah. of this story. Like, even from the first issue, the whole mm-hmm. arc feels like an X-Men story. Yeah. The fact that you know we were in the treehouse. We have this mission. We're here to save Rogue and also Binary. Right. Big fan. And now we're going to slow down a little bit. Now we're going to take a breath, throw in some page turn noises, and I know. dig deep. I was surprised that you didn't even give us the page turn on some of those. I didn't give a single page turn. I know. I, haven't, I feel like I've been missing out. Should I do like an honorary page turn for the books past? Sure. Okay. This is for you were all... Turning. I was I turning heard you pages. turning pages, but I didn't hear you turning pages. You know what I'm saying? Uh, okay. Here the you people go. didn't oh. hear you turning pages. Maybe they did. Maybe the mic picked it up. Maybe. Should we... No, I want I want the... Don't do it. I'm going to do it. I was just giving some, some ASMR comics. Here we go. Just kidding. Page turn noise. Thank you for your service. Comics of the beginning of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and now let's talk about this cover because I oh, love Peach Momoko. This cover is so beautiful. Yeah. Just the it's eyes so behind the arm. Beautiful. The color. Honestly, stared at it for so long before I opened the issue. Which is like combination of it's beautiful and I don't want to open the issue. <laughs> well, I said when I picked it up, I was like, oh, Marauders. Well, at least we have a beautiful Peach Momoko image to look at. Yeah. It's interesting because in the credits, it is not credited as Peach Momoko. It's credited as Kim Jacinto, who is doing the covers going forward, or at least in the next couple of issues. And I, I had to like go on some sleuthing. Wait, this is not Peach? No, it is Peach. Okay. It's just incorrectly credited in the issue. And the way that I confirmed that was by going on other work of Peaches and comparing the little the signature characters oh in Japanese. man i mean for me it's the and it's the, the watercolor yeah, the yeah. pastelli watercolor nature of it that like well that's when i read that i was like no way is this not peach momoko this absolutely has <laughs> i some. didn't even look i just assumed <laughs> right i i stood there and watched her paint for like a half an hour at new york comic-con yeah okay are you ready Nah. page turn noise marauders issue 10 <laughs> hey before we start talking about this issue, you made a bold statement on our Patreon episode this week. Oh, yeah, I did. About Marauders. Do you want to talk about that now or should we? I mean, we can talk about it now because we're in Krakoan titles. And I think 
you know, I, I also ruffled some, made some noise on social media when with my prediction of like, is X Men Red ending too? Because why of, would you say that? Because of the symmetry of the covers. So, the way the last cover of the first volume of Marauders was a visual homage to the first issue. The last cover of the last issue of Excalibur 2019 was a visual homage to the first issue. The sword was up Mm -hmm. over a reflecting pool and the sword was down in the reflecting pool Mm -hmm. from the first to the last. It's not as blatant because it is just visually connected, right? In the issue one, it's Storm, Roberto, and Magneto, and then Abigail Brand is in Cable's position Mm -hmm. in the sky. But this is more, I mean, it, it looks like the Marauders dynamic from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And also, now that, now we're just talking about X-Men Red, but at the end of X-Men Red, we don't really have an X-Men Red. And so I was thinking, like, is that getting rebranded as a different title? And then I started spiraling, like, okay, our, <laughs> I think... Anyway, so backtrack. The question I asked... I think Marauders is ending soon because of... Well, just because nobody likes it or or a vocal majority are, are upset not happy. with it. Yep. yep. And this is a, a natural point where we could potentially have a couple more issues or one more arc. But then as I started thinking about it, it was like, we have the fall of X coming. Mm-hmm. Is there another line bump right. under a new name with some relaunch titles? Looking at what we have over the next couple of months, it's a lot of five-issue arcs. Mm. It's Rogue and Gambit as a five-issue arc. It's War College as a five-issue arc. It's potentially the the final arc uh, of Sabretooth that is yet to be announced. That sounds, that feels like a lot of five-issue arcs to get us through the threshold of... Exactly. Not to say threshold un, unintentionally. Triggered. <laughs> the fact that Ben Percy is pulling together all of the plot threads that have been on ice the entire... I don't arc really of, like where you're going with this conversation. I'm basically just trying to lay the groundwork to prepare you for the fact that there might be some switch-ups in the near future. And you know what? You can never prepare me, and I'll cry and whine about it. There you go. But yeah, no, my call was that Marauders and ending is ending sometime soon, and maybe that's just me hoping. But then I say that, and then I also, like, this was probably my favorite issue of the series. I would agree with that. This is probably the best issue that they've had in this arc, in this run. Just because of, and I was talking with Comic Extracts about this, because we actually got some some insight onto what the heck is going on. Here's what I would say. There were really great moments that felt like we're doing the thing where we explain to you what's happening and making you feel like you understand. And then there were moments where I was like, did we, but you did it again. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like so many times in the show, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm enjoying this. And then I would read one page and I would go, what the heck did I just read? Yeah. What? You're doing it again. You're doing it again. Don't do it. Yeah. Well, we're we're underwater with the unbreathing in their territory, the deep past. The unbreathing, a.k.a. strife. Strife is secretly there. You know, you, you think about it's it's a lot of puzzling nature around strife's presence here, especially with the vague understanding of time travel, a loop that, you know, the fact that this all likely happened previously or was destined to happen. That's why mm. the puzzle box had Kate's handwriting on it, in it, yep. made of Mysterium. You know, th- there's some things that we have yet to uncover because we still don't really get an answer on the puzzle box. Yep. <laughs> but 
it's just it <laughs> strife sublime archaea just feel out of place here but they also make it feel more important mm -hmm. you have bigger names that you recognize tied into this story that otherwise if it if it was just a rescue mission two billion years in the past right you know what are the stakes interesting so he's going by night fount right strife is going by night fount that is his name day spring is what known as night fount like night fountain yeah day spring Mm. Right. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just figured I'd point that out. It's interesting. But we're talking, Strife is yelling his plan at Amass and Kate, as we are revealed, the thing that Remy called out in last issue. I'm going to keep on giving him credit for that because I did I, not see that. That was so good. Away. Like, honestly, when I turned the page and I saw it, I was like, yo, Remy for the win. Yeah. Like, get it, Remy. I hope, Remy, that you had the moment that I had when I felt so right about Stasis and Sinister. Like, I hope you feel so validated by this because it was such a good call, such a good catch. And you were freaking right. Yeah. Yeah. Kate's attack, the, the surprise, the strike, but... Not a fully formed attack plan. Still epic, but, you know, being intangible doesn't prevent you from being attacked by telekinesis. Yeah. Yikes. And the way that a mass just sacrifices themselves. Yeah. Like, it's okay, Kate. I'm going to hold them. You go. Yeah. He, he starts to merge with Strife and do this thing. Like, I'm going to distract Strife as you make a getaway. Mm -hmm. And we get an update later on, but... This could like this feels like a mass dying. Mm -hmm. Where are you at with the art? I, I see so many. You know, everybody's complaining about this book in general, and I understand because it, it's been a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just the art has grown on me. I like the art. I, I do too. In this issue specifically, there are a couple of pages that, or a page that I have some questions about. Sure, but I think that the art has always been strongest in chaos, and mm -hmm. this book is entirely chaos. Yeah, that's. 100% accurate. And for me, what I really like about the art is the layout and the framing of things. Like, right. I think it's so interesting. It's so unique. And it really, it moves the story in a way. You know, sometimes when art layouts are unique, it's hard to follow the pathway of the dialogue or the writing to know like where to go. And I feel like I don't have that problem in this book, right. which when there's so much to take in, it's really important to understand the path in which you're supposed to read it. Especially just the way these page, these panels slice mm -hmm. across. Like yeah. You know what comes where and where to go next. Yeah. This data page. Is what is it? Like, I don't know. I stopped reading it. Uh, it's basically a step-by-step -step of Kate's escape plan. Yeah, I was like, okay, I don't, I can't, I gotta go. They tried to stop her, but she got out and she got a ship the, and they deploy the night busters. And then we basically get a page beside it, recapping everything, telling us what's going on, which mm -hmm. helps because there's so much going on as she's calling out telepathically. I do like in this moment that she's, she's flat out saying like, this is what's happening. I don't care who's listening. Like yes. we need you. I need to tell you this and I can't even try to go about it secretively. Like I just got to get this information out there because we're in trouble. Yeah. As we go on to Florenza, the capital of threshold and our team 
is trying to hold back Archaea and her mules. It's a beautiful page. And yeah, I think like at this moment, the fight is really, it's amping up in that Sublime and Archaea really think they, they think they've got it going on. They think they've stifled all of the real problems and now they're just sort of like playing with their food, you know? Right. Which takes us to the title page in Times of Strife. Here comes Yesterday, part four, written by Steve Orlando, art by Eleonora Carlini, colors Matt Milla, letters and production Travis Lanham. VCs Travis Lanham. That cover Peach Momoko, but credited as Kim Jacinto. As the rest of our marauders fight the bacteria in the birthing sea. This is Archaea. You can only tell by the green of their bubbles. But then Sublime is also there. So Sublime is blue. Sublime is blue. Archaea is green. Yep. Everyone else is white. Right. Everyone wants this birthing sea, but Bishop's not letting it happen. Mm-mm. Bishop is like willing to let themselves die, essentially. Because it's pretty dangerous to open up your helmet, no? Yeah, no, they, they are not meant for this world, this time, these diseases, this bacteria. And the, the war rages on with Psylocke and Grove and Thea. Kate's here. She's joined the party. And she don't she, care who knows it. She wants to know where her crew is, where they happen to be in a giant explosion. Yeah. The team's in trouble as Bishop is essentially falling trying to take everything down. I did go back and read the issue before, and that's what his plan was, was yes. to just vibrate throughout all the bacteria of the waters around him and just light it up. Yes, that I did remember, surprisingly. And Tempo tries to to heal or, or destroy the bacteria with her powers, and it just doesn't seem to be happening as chaos happens all around them. Sublime is succeeding. That was just one of my mules. Now fight all of me. And it's, you know, you're starting to build this sort of anxious feeling because both of the bacteria are like seemingly working together, but also no. sort of doing it in a way that's like, I'm going to get there before you. They, they have a common goal. They each want to do the same thing, but they do not want to do it together. They do not want to do it together. Yeah. They they all want to destroy. So they're both equally villains, but they're also villains to each other. And Cassandra takes this and uses it against them. Cassandra is baddie. Yeah. No, and, she, you know. She is an MVP of this issue. A, I, as it gets to the end, it's like, even though I know that it was the right call to leave her the way they left her. I'm like, but we don't get any more crazy Cassandra. Yeah. Crazy Aunt Cassandra. Like, she just straight up was like, yeah, oh, come for me. Come on, all y'all, join in. As, as everyone is pulling back from the fight in the, the waters and around the team with their shield, everything's disappearing. And our team here is making a really great point that... Once the bacteria gets in you, they control you, right? They can yep. utilize you. And so if they get a hold of Cassandra's powers like that, it's not going to be good. So it's, yeah. it's, I think in this moment, a really good story moment where Cassandra's doing something nutty and the team is really unsure of what her end goal is. Like, why would she do this? And then you have this feeling of like, 
what are you up to, Cassandra? Like, sh- I, I don't trust you. Yeah. Like, this is not good. Then all of a sudden we flip the page Supernova. and we get this amazing image. And yeah, I love the supernova Crackers of it all. The, the page before it, as we see Grove healing herself, which we've always seen. That was some of the call out from last issue where Cassandra was like, oh, this shrub really trusts these humans. This seems to be their power is that they heal with vegetation. Mm-hmm. Comic extracts, actually, I was talking to him as he was reading it and he calls what's revealed later on, which I was blown away by because I had no idea. He called it. I literally went, what? What does it mean? I and I. OK. Well, well, when we get to it, we'll get to it. But to the point where I wish that I had done this, which I didn't, I wanted to go back to the last issue because I went back through this whole issue from that point on and saw like, okay, in what pages is the transformation starting? And it's it's all the way through this issue. The very first image, there's yeah. like the slightest. So I'm like, is it happening in the previous issue it's as well? Not, it's not happening beyond what she is already introduced as. So grove when we first meet her and even the name grove right Mm -hmm. we see vegetation on herself right and so this is i guess reference to previous battles where she has fought and needed to heal in a way Mm. and so this of great stress and battle is a hyped up version of her powers and and causing her to heal even more Mm -hmm. as cassandra just goes off and then comes out of the water with this ridiculous face. You know, if, if there was anything that I would complain about, it's, it's just this face that she's giving right now is going to give me nightmares. No, but I feel like that's the way Cassandra's been being the whole been time. drawn the whole, time. the whole time. That's what I love about her because it's just diving deeper into the like insanity, insanity. that is Cassandra. Like it has very joker vibes yes. to me diabolically you know? gleeful yes exactly Ooh, ooh, the battle's over snuggle time time for some sexy sexy time tempo making theo work for it because she can't just be outside of her right outside suit. her suit so theo's got to do all this stuff to make sure that she's protected as we get a little recap of what has happened with our people right so a mass, we still need to save them. Mm-hmm. Pride, Kate is still upset about this puzzle box and staring at it. Right, as we all are, Kate, as we all are. Grove's got a new look. We don't understand it. So here's the page of confusion. In this page where you see Grove's new look and you get this one image and in the panel where Kate is saying... If that's what you want, Grove, I'll listen and take the... What's going on? Did they just not finish drawing her face? Oh, yeah. She's missing an eye. Like, Maybe it's the reflection. No, but that's No, that's it's ridiculous. not the reflection. You can see her whole face. They just... Something happened. Yeah. No, she's missing an eye. She is missing an eye. Okay. And her face is much rounder in that image than it is in any of the others. So it's not confusion of story. It's no, just it's what's just going like, on. No, it's just what happened here. Oh. That's my girl. You got to make her look right. I thought the confusing part would be what's going on with Cassandra and Kate as she and Somnus reveal their long game plan that nobody knew about 
that Emma was involved in the whole time. Right. No, this is a moment where I said, you're doing it again. And I've just come to accept that I'm not going to understand it. Like that's as unfortunate as it is. So Cassandra notices something locked inside Pride's mind and flips. It was a team up with Somnus to use Cassandra for her power on this mission, but then dispose of her while still in the past. Right. And that I understood. But what I didn't understand was why it was necessary. (laughs) Because Cassandra's got this ultimate power and... Kate does not trust her long term that that power. Yes, she sounds like she supports us. And this is what she goes on in the data page later on. But Mm -hmm. at what point can we still trust her or what point does she then go for what she always wants? And then there's the long time residual anger. This last panel. Right. You killed my father. So. So, yeah. Cameron Pride died on Genosha while trying to save mutants. And. Right. We're never going to get past that. You killed my dad. So Sorry. And everybody's just like, okay, yeah, no, we all, I guess, agreed to it and then didn't remember. Mm-hmm. As we're going to go back to the future, two billion years ahead. Oh, wow, Grove, you look so different. Uh, I'm not Grove anymore. With new growth comes a new name. Call me Okara. What? Like, this is where my, I just took my glasses off and I'm, I'm smushing my face because... Just when you're like, okay, I get it. The story's wrapping up. I'm feeling good. I'm understanding. We're leaving, but we still don't know what's happened with Strife. So we've still got story to wrap up the arc. There's a couple issues left. And then we just have to throw in the fact that this is how Okara was created. Yeah. Okara was the remaining or living threshold mutant. Great. Okay. Like, I mean, I don't. It's, it's you don't think re- there's anything further to be explored there? You think they're just saying, and that's how we got Okara. I would be surprised if we go any further into that. Okay. Well, I was more afraid like all of a sudden I was going to have to like go down another pathway of like what this means and how that is affecting like, because essentially they changed the outcome of history, right? Or they it changed was, it or it was always like this from the beginning. It was always like this from the beginning. They needed to have go ba- to go back and prevent strife, prevent sublime, prevent Ar- Archaea, and help with the saving of Grove so that they can become Okara and then be able to be split into Arako and Krakoa. Krakoa. It's ridiculous. It's it's so quick and there's I don't know if there's like a big takeaway other than like a stake of claim in this as a essential retcon of the birth of Okara. Yeah. But yeah. It's but it happened. It happened. As we get this letter to dad, sweet and revealing of Kate's deception. So the other thing that I was talking about in our Patreon episode was like Depending on what's going on, like I was talking about Kate's costume and how she's a pirate in space and how her costume was designed for her to be on a pirate ship. And I was like, she's going to get a new look. Now, in all of Krakoa, we've not seen her in anything other than that, in like different forms of that. But now she's just in a regular girl outfit. Yeah. And that threw me for a second. Oh, I love seeing them in casual clothes. I mean, I do too. I just, I haven't seen Kate that way at all in Krakoa. Yeah. As Tempo reflects on a broken heart on the long weekend tryst with her two billion year old lover and we reveal, hey, we can't save all of Threshold, but at least we got the three mutants that we started with. Our friends that we made along this journey. 
Let's all wear our basic training uniforms together. Yep. The end. The end. But next, Requiem for Genosha. Dun, dun, dun. Big picture. Big picture is, I actually enjoyed this issue. <laughs> That's my first line is, I actually kind of enjoyed this issue. Yeah, like I, I enjoyed it because we were just in the action and the story was moving along without all of these big exposition moments you know what i mean like it wasn't like we have to layer all of this stuff we didn't we didn't really add anything else new we dealt with what else we had on the table right it's just we got to work through and connect some dots and get to the end of what this arc was right there was resolution right right and like the things that we enjoy about the characters right like kate pushing forward and being like this is the stuff we have to do and and taking charge of situations bishop standing up for what he believes in and just doing the thing that he knows needs to be done tempo we got good character moments with tempo we got to see her in her this relationship moment and dig into you know the last some of the last stuff we were seeing with tempo on that front was that she was ending a relationship and now we're seeing her start another relationship cassandra we got to see her be bonkers and that was fun you know like those are the things we like about her and the Flip right of Cassandra being uh, just used for her power right. and when then you, left you, for dead. When you think the whole time Cassandra's using you to, to suddenly reveal that you're using her, like that's that's nuts. Yeah. Now the the whole time wasn't impacted because the whole thing was necessary moves and counter moves. That's the hard part, you know. That's the w- w- did this happen all the time? Was Wolverine always wearing the watch from Xavier's father? You know, right. Uh, yes, I guess. And if they hadn't done this mission, everything would have fallen under the rule of either Strife, Sublime, or Archaea, or some combination of the three. Right, and where we are now wouldn't exist because we wouldn't have Okara. Yeah. No, it, it, I, I was... I don't want to say pleasantly surprised, but I was I was blown away by... I was like, wow, I actually enjoy this issue because I have not enjoyed this as a title. Right, I mean, like, part. in my reading journey of this week's comics, I read... Everything except these last three issues that we're talking about first. And then I came home and I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm going to read. I'm going to read. I'm, I'm going to read X-Force. And I'm going to read X-Men Red. And I just have to get through Marauders first. And then I read Marauders and I was like, whoa, I actually like that. I've been going. I actually know what was going on. I've been going against what I always say about like, oh, I'm going to read, you know, the thing I'm least excited about. I read X-Men Red first. <laughs> I got home from the comic shop and I was like, nope, I want what I want and I'm reading it now and no one's going to tell me otherwise. I'm in charge of me. Did you read it before you saw Marvel's post? Yes. Thank goodness. Yeah. I would have been pissed because yeah, we'll get there when we get there. But yeah. I was very grateful for your text message that was like, stay, watch out. Don't, yeah, don't you go on that internet. Yeah, just watch out for Marvel because... At two o'clock in the afternoon, they're gonna spoil their own last page reveal of, of a their huge comic. build up. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Someone needs to talk to the people over there. Like at least wait till Thursday. Yeah. Curls said that the Cassandra plot really shook her. Would Kate be that cruel? It feels wrong. And and I get what she's saying because of the character that we've been following and been introduced to, but just what Cassandra means to her as a character, as this person that killed her father, but also killed so many other mutants. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, to be in on it as a plan with Emma, Emma also having been massively affected by Genosha and the death right. of her students. I think that that 
makes sense, especially when you you pair it with the fact that they were in cahoots on it. Right. And you you think about the way that Emma and Kate went for Shaw. Right. That that is the that is the Kate for the that children. Did this, you know, like this was this was like, listen, we can't have you come back because you straight up said like, there's no, I'm, I'm out for nobody. I'm here for me. I'll yeah, do yeah. what I want. Like yeah. you said that in the beginning, Cassandra, like you did. And also you killed my dad. You know, like there are things that just stick with you. And I think Kate, I think everybody has a little darkness in them. And I think the the rationalization in Kate's mind was like, I'm protecting people and everybody has you killed little- my dad. And I'm sure there was influence like i'm sure this was like emma's idea you know more so than it was kate's and then kate was like yeah all right i'll go along with it i'm in on that emma warline says let's hope that marauders does what legion of x did and gets better in its second arc onward and yeah i would i would be happy for that i don't want to dislike a book right but i have and and legion of x definitely has taken a turn for me Mm -hmm. i have been enjoying that I would be so happy if if it continued in this tra- trajectory. Yeah. I'd be so happy. Well, and the fact that Genosha is the the point going forward. All right, so we're doing some more character work on another thing, maybe saving some other mutants lost in time. No, please, no time travel. No, anymore. please, no more time traveling. Time hasn't been kind to Grove slash Okara. They lost half of themselves and their ability to speak, and became a threshold for new mutants in the sense that everybody died. <laughs> Mm, it's yep. true it's true michael fox i was so glad this entire tennis arc is done because when it's been a lot and yet nothing mm-hmm. also strife was thrown in why no explanation of how he got there or build up just nothing what makes it worse is that it doesn't matter because we're done with thresholds past i'm ambivalent about the okara reveal because it made more questions than it answered that's kind of how i feel about it like i think it's a cool nugget of information, right. but it 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 also just kind of felt like it was like, oh yeah, I'm Okara. Oh yeah, by the way, I'm Okara, and you know what that means, and I'm not going to tell you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like if we were going to get that, I would have wanted to like get that. Yeah. You know. But what w- what more could you get because they are at the beginning of their continuity, right? Right. So unless There's not really, and even. Okara doesn't exist in current continuity. It's split into right. these two sides. Is there going to be that could be interesting? The relationship between Thea and Krakoa. Mm. And is she able to recognize in Krakoa what was Okara? And it's interesting to know that the original character, like Grove, became Okara as a way to heal. And Okara became Krakoa and Arako as a way to heal, in a sense, right? Like it split. It was forcibly split. And and then then each individual formed formed and became more of like a full island. Yeah. Comic Extract sent the panel of Kate shouting, wait, is that my puzzle box? Someone want to explain? Which is the perfect question for all of us trying to figure it out. That's right. What's going on? The most relatable moment in the book. Yeah. Graham Elkin Lane, Chad, is looking forward to reading Marauders back from the beginning, seeing all the seeds planted along the way. Chad's always been on board with Marauders. Yes. And, you know, I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I'm glad to at least be swayed a little bit onto the other side. Here's what I'll say. Chad, if you... 
do that, if you read the whole thing through and you find some like revelation or some beautiful thread that is just like, oh my God, it's the key to Marauders. Tell me. I love I love it. I want to hear it. I want to find those moments, but I don't want to reread it. So please share with me anything you find. No, I mean, you talk about rereading. I almost bought the trade of X-Men Red today just because, just because I want to be able to binge it easily in my hand and, and I love reading trades. Mm-hmm. Car Crash Carlos, what the heck did the end of Marauders mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I mean, I hope, I hope we shine some light on that as we've been talking about it, but it was intense. Yeah. I mean, I definitely put it down and I was like, what just happened in that comic? Yeah. Like, it's it's sort of one of those things that you have to digest, you know? Mm-hmm. You experience it, your brain hurts, you go, what? And then you sleep on it, and then the next day you're like, okay, okay. All right, you know? There's juicy bits in there. There's a little bit of fluff, but there's also the juicy bits. Yeah. Gilbert Rojo, 1022, why are we still reading Marauders? Do either of you like it? <laughs> and... I think maybe we've addressed our feelings about it that we have not previously. And I don't even say that I would say that I like it. I definitely don't love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that I'm looking forward to issue 11. But this, I'm not going to drop a title just because we're an X-Men podcast and we talk about all the books. Right. And and maybe that's just me being a stubborn completionist and needing to have the full story. No, but I also feel as though we need to like, follow through like if we didn't i would feel the same way that i feel about the walking dead which is every time i think about it i'm like oh god i really need to finish that i feel incomplete i feel like i'm missing something right but there's a difference between refusing to read it and buying it as it's coming out you know like Mm -hmm. we do have marvel unlimited it would come around eventually we would be able to read it you know right so i do think the podcast is a only reason why we're reading it Mm -hmm. (laughs) on to x-force on to x-force the peacock man Mm, the peacock man i mean i thought we were gonna get a reveal no it's definitely next issue where he's got his mask off on the cover mm-hmm. in the shadows but what give, I, <laughs> a cover just give me that face just give me it dang it just, give me a face show me your face peacock man <laughs> blonde china has some interesting predictions on who the peacock man is Ooh, i can't wait for those i love a good prediction before we dig in let's talk about this beautiful cover this beautiful Joshua Kassara cover. Everybody's shocked. Everybody's like, wait, what? That's the Peacock Man? That's what's going on? Where are the the feathers? Beast Beast is like, we knew it the whole time. (laughs) We hear the feathers? Domino's definitely shocked. Gene looks confused. Omega Red looks mad. (laughs) Quentin's here. Yeah. Let's get into it. Page turn noise. Mission Dead- prep. Deadpool's going to do Domino's makeup. Yeah. Deadpool and Omega Red's fashion makeover. So it's it's never been stated on page, but Domino, Nina, was featured in the Marvel Voices of last year for black characters in, in February. So most people read her as black. Mm. Plus, the Deadpool movie adds to that, right? Mm. So I just think it's interesting the cover-up that is applied here. That her makeup is white. Yeah. Not a not a bad thing, not a good thing, not like just just a thing that mm-hmm. makes you question. And also, just okay, I think it's difficult to understand who she is without the effect of her mutant power. But 
that's where the facts are currently. Yeah. Anyway, I, I love this covert op team. Yeah. I, I just I love Deadpool and X Force. Yep. Same. Definitely same. And who's in charge? Beast is just getting upset. Nobody likes you anymore. Sage is the new head honcho. We all want the approval. What does Sage think? Beast is so mad. Yeah. He's so How rude. She also defiantly says that she backs them on this uh, after yeah. what happened. Like, no, we don't trust you anymore. As as we should. Like, the fact that he's surprised about that. The fact that he's not in jail and yeah. he's just walking around. That, that like, feels like an oversight. And someone does call out that in a question later on that we'll get to. I'm like, y'all brought him back in cuffs and now he's just part of this free? next mission. Right. I don't understand. Was there a, an issue that we missed? Was there a Marvel Unlimited? Or are we going to go back in time? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. As- now, let me ask you a question. Did you at any point in your mind think Domino would choose the dress over the suit? No. <laughs> Not once. Are you looking at that dress? It's terrible. You're going to a meeting with bigoted terrorists and you're going to wear a cheerleading outfit almost? I mean, like- I honestly, truly was a little bit concerned for a second that Omega Red was supposed to be wearing the suit and that Domino ha. was going to wear the dress. And yeah. then when I saw the page, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Well, get ready for your undercover action movie, the classic X-Force that Ben has been writing this whole time. It's just I feel like Love that's... Love to see it. Right, yeah. That, that's the vibe that we've been getting as we uncover this new subsection of the Xeno Collective, Panacea, which means a solution or remedy for all difficulties or diseases. Mm. And that's essentially what they're trying to be for mutantdom. I see. I thought that was interesting. We're heading into the Royal Shark. Yeah. I love I love just Googling all the words that I don't know. Yes. And I love that you Google all the words that I don't know. So let's dive in because we've got a title page deep cover the methuselah complex written by benjamin percy art by robert gill colors by guru efx letters joe caramagna vcs joe caramagna joshua kassara and dean white on the cover do you know what methuselah is nope i was waiting for you to tell me a biblical patriarch and a figure in judaism christianity and islam He had the longest lifespan of all those given in the Bible, dying at the age of 969. Whoa. So this is essentially what we're talking about. Like they're after immortality. Yes. They're trying to unlock what mutants have. Indeed they are. Domino's getting impatient in this restaurant. Yeah. Where are you? I've been sitting there. I haven't even gotten to order. I'm hungry. I'm I'm mad. This rendezvous was taking way too long as this waiter guy comes out with something that I didn't order Wolverine's heart. Like what? Do, do I do I eat it? Like what am I what am I doing with this? And suddenly everyone in the restaurant, including the waiter, is in on what? the scheme. What a what a strangely communal group of rich bigoted weirdos. And why is this guy holding lobsters to his nipples? It, well, uh, to his nipples. I don't know. He's, why is he's, he picking them up like that? Because he just cracked the shell and he's about to eat it. It doesn't look like that to me, but okay. Also, his nipples aren't like there. <laughs> <laughs> the highest nipples in the world. But it's just, it's weird. Like everybody seems to be completing each other's sentences yeah. at their own private tables. I mean, it's very culty. It's very culty. Here, if you didn't see it and you didn't, you didn't recognize why later on, there are sharks and fish in the aquarium walls of this restaurant. This is your chance to notice. Yeah. 
as we go back on the rooftop with Deadpool shenanigans, the, the petulant child that is Wade Wilson. <laughs> what, are you, what are you like, the most red thing? Because you versus a red panda, I got to say, I'm, I'm picking a red, red panda. panda. <laughs> I do love it. I love Deadpool shenanigans. Yeah. There's no time for your shenanigans, though, Deadpool. There's an eyeball on the roof, and they're here. Yeah. Apparently, you didn't read the briefing, but the negotiations inside, the possibilities that we could do with your support... Our insane science is possible. Donate today as we do creepy weird things with mutant blood and DNA. And also, why are you only giving me half the money? Right. Well, well, and I don't trust you. Right. Well, you know, as everyone touches their earpiece in the restaurant. Well, and yeah, everyone has a uh-oh, an uh-oh moment. Because they're so all Xeno agents. Let's throw some water on you, Domino. Things go crazy on the rooftop. Deadpool doesn't read. He does not read the briefing as the eye toss and the hand throw these detachable body parts that have come to be known as Zeno's tactics. That's their thing. That's their thing. I also, I just like, I love Omega Red in his like, I don't know, his like angsty teamwork. You know, like he's like, oh, God, you didn't read the thing. And like, I'm just trying to do the superhero thing. And you're like really making it difficult for me, Deadpool, because well, I want to like, just punch is, you through this wall. He is not a character that would normally be in this type of position. Right. Right. And he is just so reluctant to be here with someone that he seemingly hates mm-hmm. because he's so annoying and just never does anything right. <laughs> he's so annoying in Deadpool, the best way. Deadpool wants sword fingers or needle fingers, perhaps. Ooh. Mm. Domino takes a stand. I guess we're we're done talking. Well, I've learned from last time, and I'm just going to bring in the sharks with my Krakoan arm. Yeah. I'm not messing around with you fools because I know what you've done to me before. Yeah. Oh, look at that shark. He's going for the Wolverine heart. That shark wants me some heart. Everyone's While just the other sharks are just eating, eating all up. the people. Yeah. <laughs> Swift kick to the chest. Yeah, the split screen on this next page as everyone is a, a bit of this melt-away army. The Scooby-Doo <laughs> joke is so good. And then gross self-destruction slash melting. Yes. Oh, but don't take off his mask. And he's like, I would have gotten away with it. One of you dang kids. Okay, put it back. It's weird. Put it back. <laughs> yeah, I hate Ew. it. I hate it. Clean up on aisle six. This data page getting an autopsy report. So the heart from the Peacock Man. They made this heart with the blood collected from Legacy House. So, so it's a, pretty much Wolverine, but it's not fully not entirely there. Wolverine, right? It's it's a synthetic Wolverine heart that we were able to manufacture from learning from his DNA. And it has healing factor, but only for so long. Yeah. And then the body, I love just how Beast uses this as justification for his prison. Well, well, you know, they have agents made up from mutant DNA samples. They're already making chimeras, essentially, and they're not even doing it right. Also, <laughs> I was doing it right. and You guys stopped me. Yeah, this is totally proof that I should be allowed to do my terrible, terrible science. No beast. Also, just a random follow up. Anybody checking on that stolen child? We had that one child for over a year of print time, and they've been able to do whatever they've been doing with that child. I don't know. I wonder if these agents would at some point be able to use the gates with all of these upgrades. Like if they're interweaving mutant DNA. Yeah, would that be able to trick Krakoa? Right. Interesting. Well, they did it with Domino, essentially. That's how they got in the first time. 
they wore pieces of domino. Yeah, but that wasn't the gate. So they were able to be recognized by the systems made, but they parachuted in from the sky. So mm. they, they recognized it as domino versus Krakoa recognized it as a mutant. Mm-hmm. This poetic monologue reflection as Domino comes back home after a hard day. I really liked seeing, you know, this kind of story thing that Ben Percy does being used for Domino. Because it's usually, well, we've seen it for Beast. We've seen it for Craven. We've seen it for Wolverine. Now we recently saw it for Sage. So um, I like to see it for Domino too, you know? I feel like that's been a feeling lately is that we, we don't get enough spotlight for some of our characters mm-hmm. so to see it here is really good but she gets a gift left for her of a very triggering painting in a paint style that she knows all too well yeah as we go to the savage land to confront colossus is just doing a little pet project making a little irrigation canal because my my water girlfriend's kind of dead now, but we're, yeah. we don't need to talk about we that. We're not going to talk about it. What are you here for, Domino? Well, why'd you put this stinking picture in my stuff when you know I specifically asked not to have these memories? Even though she didn't, she wanted to actually remember everything. <laughs> yeah. She wanted it all. This this is like, okay. where The fact that they're bringing this back up, the fact that we're getting max the the kid mm-hmm. reference the fact that we're getting xeno and all of their work even the more recent thing with legacy house tying into it something and big is coming now colossus seemingly knowing that he's got something in him that he's fighting and he can't control it like that just that frustration within himself and i the way that he like meddles up meddles up to just like shield himself from himself yeah. like so interesting this data page too and just what it means is this causing the chronicler pain or or causing him to bleed because colossus is trying to fight the programming being written for him i don't know i think the chronicler is the reason that colossus is starting to become aware is because the chronicler is trying to slip information and mikhail is getting mad about it and he has to cross it out with blood okay because it only happens if the chronicler writes it. So the chronicler writes like, "You're gonna tell Domino what's you're gonna tell her," and Mikhail's like, "No." Well, so we and we don't know a whole lot about how it affects any kind of free will. Like, does Colossus have any control? And we assume that he does because he does participate in council meetings. Mm-hmm. So is he able to like? Is this the thing that he wants to do? And then the chronicler is like, "No, you can't do that. That's not the story I'm writing." I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. It's interesting. And I, I do kind of like just getting this poetic recap of what just happened. Of, mm-hmm. Is this the script for the issue? Mm-hmm. And then we go back to our our roundtable discussion. The point. Beast, you know, this moment when Domino says, you can't make a blanket statement like that. All humans. Humans aren't all our enemies. Yeah. Zeno equals humans and humans bad. Getting real detailed on the thing she just said she didn't want to know about. Right. As Beast has a plan. And and Sage, hey, everybody, Sage approves. Sage, Sage, what do you think? I can't imagine a greater violation of natural order than someone doing exactly what I was doing on my space prison. 
Right. <laughs> basically, like he's he's upset about what Zeno's doing. Right. But he was literally just caught doing it an issue ago. And and of all the people to have a truly serious moment for Deadpool to say, um, dude, even I can recognize that it's time to shut up. Like, yeah. if Deadpool's telling you that you should probably stop talking, you should probably stop talking. Yeah. As as this plan catches us back up with the legacy auction and an egg. What can you do with it? I don't know. It's a simple egg. I'm a businessman. You buy it. You do whatever you want. I don't care. Here's the thing. Beast gave them this egg, didn't he? Yes. What is wrong with him? Well, this this is the plan. This was it's got a tracking device so they can get to their lab. They're thinking that well, there's there's a number of different ways that they wouldn't be able to use this. They'd they'd at least need a high level telepath to be able to to do something with the fact that they say that it's unfertilized too, so it has not been altered by Proteus to be actually viable for mutant resurrection. It doesn't but it, matter. It like it still has the genetic material of eggs eggs it's it's exactly like that's the thing like you gave them an egg they can reverse engineer it like what are you doing yeah like even if they didn't have this kid like even if that wasn't the thing what are you doing why are you so full of yourself that you cannot see that you're an idiot do you really have to ask? <laughs> I'm just, it's like, inf- it's so infuriating. I'm imagining, I think it was issue like four or five where he's like, I'm the conductor. I'm in control. I Ugh. know exactly what I'm doing. And then we get Terra Verde. <laughs> you don't know anything. Yeah. They'd need so many things like a little baby oddly aged up and using Kid Omega's powers, but only if he was wearing a cute little suit that matched the Peacock Man. Mm-hmm. So this is Max, right? This has to be Max. It the freckles, has to be. And the freckles and the red hair and, and the fact that he was just referenced. Yeah. I don't understand how he's aged this long. No, me either. I don't how know. How did he get this big? If this is Max or if this is the DNA of Max to create a new version of him, right? Because oh, they, they are making a body shop, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. So they and, could clone someone. And they've already shown ability to manipulate and use Quentin's power mm-hmm. in that arc with like the phantom telekinesis from his head. That's true. And they also had the Cerebro sword and had been data mining it with Mikhail. Yeah. They got a lot going on, these Xenos. Evil Seed, out on February 1st, which I wanted to look it up because curious as to when we're getting more answers what do you think oh i mean i love x-force i love x-force it is one of my favorite titles i thought like seeing the domino like led story having her have that moment i'm i'm here for all the juicy bits being brought back like we're we're Bringing back this idea of what's going on with the Chronicler. We're talking about this kid. We're, we're taking the things and we're pulling them all together. And we're, it's snowballing into something. Yeah. And honestly, the amount of rage that fills my body when I read this story, it's what makes me like it. You know, like it really makes me feel things. I'm really invested in what's going on. And I'm, I can't wait for Beast to be taken down and i wonder when it's gonna happen because the fact that we get we had the tease and timeless of mm-hmm. beast with all the copies of himself he's basically outdoing sinister mm-hmm. and you know just, 
how is that going to get wrapped up? I mean, I guess it could get wrapped up. Warline and I were talking about this the other day. Is that going to get wrapped up before Fall of X? Is that the cause of Fall of X? Could be. Wouldn't be surprised. Right. I just, this was good. This The fact that we're cutting to the core of Ben's big picture plans makes me feel like he's wrapping things up. You know, that was always his this dichotomy of Wolverine and Beast, the, mm-hmm. the head and the fist and how they are at odds with each other. And he's been kind of stretching out. He's always had that end in mind and everything else was kind of different things seeding along the way. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things point towards, yeah, this could be it. But I had so much fun with this. The character work with Domino, the comedy with Deadpool, the plot with the team rebelling against Beast. I'm a big fan of Robert Gill's art. And I think he's been killing it from the start of this run. I would agree. I like the art a lot. You know, especially like the melty people are so gross. So gross. You love it when it's so gross. Yeah. Fake Torta calling out why no one on X-Force told the council about Beast. You can't ignore that part. Come on, Percy. Right. I mean, it makes sense. Like, where's it at? Like, where's the... That feels like a giant plot hole of him being in handcuffs in the last issue. And maybe it'll get addressed. I would hope so. I certainly hope so. Some kind of data page reference of, you know, like we we handled it internally or something. But even that just feels kind of a cop out. Mm -hmm. There's a preview page of the next issue of X-Men where it looks like Beast is sitting at the council. Oh, God. And and he goes to the council to give presentations. But what? (laughs) He better not be on the council. I'm out. I'll just quit X-Men comics. No. Just kidding. I would never, but I'm just, I can't. Warline saying, Beast, Logan's DNA being weaponized against you is your fault, so don't blame another villain for this action. The well, fact that the heart is there and now being able to, like, you, you gave him that. You did this. You did all of this. Like, yeah. that's what we're learning, right? That's the, this is all your fault. Like, you thinking you were, what, like... You thinking you're solving all the problems by giving them all of the answers so that you can then turn around and say, I have to do exactly what they're doing because they have X, Y, and Z when most of the time you're the one who gave it to them in the first place yeah. or tried to use it against them and then they bioengineered it back at you. Yeah. Like, this is your fault. Yeah. This is your fault. We had, uh, <laughs> we had a couple of predictions to say this, but Mike Loves Mariah Carey is starting us off. Beast is going to be the fourth Mr. Sinister. Oh, my God. LOL. But really, maybe not expecting him to hand over an egg and Deadpool told him to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Loved it. Loved it. Eric Huffman, how long are they going to drag the Colossus mind control arc in X-Force? It needs more movement. And I think this is the first time that it's we've addressed around. it in any way ever since Inferno, mm-hmm. where it was revealed. And it's just kind of been in the background, kind of referenced. I don't even think it's they kind of referenced it in 10 Lives and Deaths. But yeah, we need it. We need it. But I think it's all coming to a head. We do need it. Are you ready for the final issue of the week? No, I would like you to tell me Blanchina's predictions oh. of who the Peacock Man is. <laughs> I've been waiting this whole issue for you to tell It's not me. someone that you know, so... Doesn't matter. Malcolm Colkerd. Mm, who who's that? Was involved with the original Weapon X program. He was also, he was also stretching. You know, Zeno backwards kind of has some things of Weapon X. And- Listen, I... 
I want this to be true for you, Blonde China. Yeah, I no, want that... everyone to have a moment of just vindication. Wild prediction coming true. It's, it would be so dope. I had it with Captain Krakoa. Yes. I maybe also had it with a couple other people on this next issue, but mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, now I'm ready. Now you're ready. Well, we already kind of talked about the cover. Yeah, we did. And I, I wrote it out here. False alarm, everyone. You know, I saw this cover as a hint. I don't know if you've actually seen the post that I'm talking about on either. You don't go on Twitter, but so that's the side by side of mm. X-Men Red 1 with X-Men Red 10. And if you swipe, it definitely has an homage. But apparently when this cover was revealed like three months ago, so my bad, <laughs> Al Ewing confirmed on Twitter that this was just a coincidence but man, that got me all in a tizzy. He did say that he is picturing or or can see the first page of X-Men Red 11. I did see that. I you shared, shared that in the that. story. Yes, yeah. I did see that. Here's the thing. Here's my favorite part of this cover. Look at that cutie cutes. Wrong slide. He's so cute. Rod Baxter said that he looked just like Groot. I love him. He yeah. does have a Groot vibe. Yeah. He's so cute. I literally went, oh, look at a little wrong slide. On a cover, and I like scrunched his little face with my finger. Happy to have Cora here. Yes. Well, the whole Fisher family, baby. Ready? Page turn noise. Starting off with a data page of sorts, a little poetic account as Lotus Logos is dropping bars over the fight about what's about to happen and who it's with. You weren't there. If you were there, you would know it. If you were there, you would know. I mean, we got to get this this beauteous poetry, right? Kicking us off. Vulcan versus Storm. Oh, my God. Epic explosions at the Autumn Palace after fighting words thrown back and forth. Aurora taunting the Little King. I love it when she calls him Little King. Yeah. I love it. Make I love it move. so much. He hates it. Of course. Of course. I mean... He has been mouthing off with with hubris, and and rightfully so. He is a very powerful person, but he also flexes it mm-hmm. a lot more. Indeed, he does. An arrogance about him. Mm-hmm. This explosion. This this was a preview page. Gorgeous. And we're getting right to our title page. End game. The New Age, written by Al Ewing, art by Stefano Caselli and Jacopo. Camagni, colors by Federico Blee, letters in production, Ariana Maher. VCs, Ariana Maher. Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson on the cover. Gorgeous. The team. I do love Stefano Caselli's too. Mm-hmm. That, that, there are so many key standout artists that I just feel like I was talking to Emerald Comic Reviews on Instagram earlier and just how many great artists that there are in the X line. So many. Right. But we are off to the world farm as the creepy bug guys are going off. <laughs> they love Manifold's little power. Yeah, we're going to let it loose, right, boys? <laughs> Orbis is like, ah, oh, probably not a good idea. Please don't. Well, it's interesting. And I think someone also calls it out in a question later on. But I wonder, my fellows, would our master like us to let it loose from its cage? To reduce the noise, to do all this. And Orbis is like, no, no, please do not. Oh, but of course, Great Stellaris, you're who we meant. Which I think, no, it wasn't. Like, there's some other person that these creatures reporting to. Oh, interesting. I was thinking they meant that means 
they meant no we were talking about letting you out oh. of your orb so who do you think their big boss is then i don't know abigail brand just mm. kidding uh maybe could be probably she's got her dirty little hands and everything yeah but we're going with the plan a as we get a power up on cora and cable team up i love how this adds to the new understanding of their new ways right strength on strength right it's not weakness it's strength on strength baby and just seeing how this throughout ewing's run has been challenging the norms of Iraqi culture. Mm-hmm. The fact that, like, you know, this just because it's what we've done for so many years doesn't mean it's the right way to do it. Right. This big bad oh, man. Daddy Cable summons the T.O. virus with he's the just, jacked up power. He's just not caring at all. He's just going full in. Yeah. Yeah, this <laughs> Warlion called this out as uh, Rob Liefeld would be proud of this jacked up, all the guns. All the, the armor and plus the feet are hidden. Mm-hmm. That's classic Rob Liefeld. I don't have to draw those. Yeah. This is such a badass look for Cable. Yes. I'm not sure what he's doing and if it's his power is powering up the T.O. virus or something like that. But yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Well, yeah, because he's he he could control the virus within himself regularly. Well, he can, and he... now that Korra has amped him up, he can control it even more to this extreme, like well, this was... amount of it. So it was more than he can control it. It's the fact that he needed the virus to tape down, tamper down his power. That his power is too extreme that he actually needed it to focus some of it onto keeping his power, uh, keeping the virus at bay. Well, now it's even amplified. Right. Even which, more. Which I was like, uh, a little confused, but. As back we go to the battle. Back to our square off, yeah. Vulcan taunting Storm back, and Storm claps back. (laughs) Storm. She's just like, okay, sir, do your thing, baby king. You do that, I do this. Aurora never died. The joy Vulcan gets in this moment as he's relishing in his strength. Yeah, like what? Okay, listen. You're over here saying, I'm so strong because I died and I was reborn. Storm's like, yeah, okay, but I never died. So I think I had the strength to stay alive. How about that? But also it's whatever has been unlocked within him. Right. right? And and that's interesting to think about the Vulcan connection. And maybe it is Brand that is in charge of these three bug people. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Right. You know, deep space connections. Speaking of Brand. Oh, no. We go to the keep as Brand's got some questions. She's wondering how it is that they pulled the wool over her eyes. Yeah. I, I love the colors. Mm-hmm. I love the colors and just the, the green of this room and the sweat yes. of Montello as he's getting freaked out. There's so many drawn out suspicions of how we got here. She's got all this mental training. How would... I'd be able to be manipulated to to have things hidden from me unless someone was giving a relay to another telepath, someone right close to me. The thing about this is it was such a joyous moment for me to read this and go, haha, Brand, even when you think people are on your side, they're not because you're the worst and nobody likes you. Yeah. Who could have more money than S.H.I.E.L.D. and 
work with aim contacts. Well, bum ba da dun. Roberto <laughs> or should Costa. I just play Mission Impossible, the Mission Impossible theme right now? And then in walks Roberto. Teleporting in. We're cutting back to the world farm as Cable's just punching, trying to crack this space egg. <laughs> I'm going to get you out of there, Orbis. I know there's somebody in there. Yeah. As the bugs, I don't know what to call them. The, the, <laughs> the bug triumvirate the, just set off the T.O. virus and now are letting it take him over. Yeah. This, this moment here as Manifold is, is freaking out and has no way to access his power. But then Laktuka from nowhere coming in and giving Manifold the ability to see. Yeah, I didn't understand what was happening here. You know who, you know who Laktuka is, right? No, I don't remember. Okay, they're on the Great Ring. They're mm-hmm. one of the, the, the knower of all things, mm-hmm. sees everything. Okay. And so somehow they have been in contact well, they know Manifold, all things. Right, they know all things. They know that you need sight. And you, as someone who speaks to the universe, Laktuka, who is someone that looks like the universe, that's mm-hmm. shrouded in stars and mystery. Okay, well, that's good. Because I was like, what the? Who is that? What's happening? Laktuka. And and now they're now the, the bug people are no more. Yeah, they've been sent out into deep space to go and die, Hopefully. Hopefully. Or be recovered by someone. Someone will scoop them up or they'll be dead. We're really not sure, but they're not here anymore. And this this was a weird thing as Cable is trying to crack the egg all that time. And then now, all right, we're just going to leave. The intel looks redundant now. I don't need to know who's in this egg because I already got it, maybe. <laughs> just Unsure? Like, let's, wa- let's walk away. We, let's go save Taki and then get out of here. We got to go. Recognize Xandra's rule, Brand. <laughs> oh, don't underestimate me, Brand. I think that's like Xandra, she's she's really stealthy. She just everybody thinks she's just this sad little girl who can't take care of herself and she's just constantly popping off and surprising. Well, I think that there's a good contrast to be seen between her and Storm in this issue in the fact that they utilize the strength of their people. Mm-hmm. And that's really what this whole ploy has been. The fact that they've all been in contact with each other, which is something that we've been talking about for a couple of issues. That right. this, this couldn't have been the the big play. Right. There had to be something layered in with this. But yeah, Bran's got the old story of wanting war so that the enemies around her aren't strong. Wanting them to be kept on their toes as she body slides out of there. Oh, Man. And into her hideout where <laughs> everything, every, we got you on the ropes. I don't understand how she gets away. I don't know either, but there, I am dying to know because, right, we learned with Weaponless Sen that being weaponless doesn't mean you don't have a power. It just means you don't have a fighting power. Yeah. So Fisher and- King is weaponless. So what is his power? Right. Because... I am dying to know what he's got up his sleeve. He is something else, that one. Well, and, and also just I had imagined that Zen's power is what has painted the truth of Abigail and, and especially mm-hmm. her last name being revealed, which has never otherwise been known in comics continuity. Which is amazing. Right. Her face. 
She's like, excuse me, Which what? Is, yeah, exactly the right response. No one's supposed to know that. How do you know that? As he just calmly threatens what comes next. He's like, oh, I know. The fight rages on. The Summers brother bringing the heat. Vulcan just raining down his fire. The rope dope The rope dope <laughs> Storm You wear savage. him out and then you strike. It's the old boxing play. Taken down by rain. This was a little surprising. I, he, I guess, is fully spent and was not expecting this to happen. I mean, it, it is a bit surprising, but it also is, I think, a really interesting point to make that Storm is not trying to do this all on her own. And she's also being strategic where he is just all flash and all power up front and no sustainability because he's mm. all by himself. Yeah. Yeah, there was some mixed reactions to this. The the fact that a lot of people wanted more from the fight. They wanted to see more back and forth between them and actually see them use their powers. And also just this, is it, it's the strategy, but also potential reliance on these other people to get the job done. But I think that that's what's so beautiful about Storm is like she is strong and powerful, but her strength is not just her physical strength. Her strength is her tactics and also her ability to lead and her ability to unify people. Think about Morocco before this point. I loved it. No, I know. But I'm just saying if you think about Morocco before this point and you think about how against the idea of collaboration they were and what they have become now, it's really showing that like Storm's power is not just her mutation. Storm's power is her leadership and her unifying force. Like there's so much more to her than that. And so I think, yeah, you don't get as much like crazy action, but you get this really beautiful, powerful moment. Yeah. To have witnessed the combo move of her and Magneto Mm -hmm. against Uranus or, or against the, the big flesh weird monkey thing. <laughs> yeah. And Uranus later on. But yeah. Oh, no. Vulcan is so mad. You needed so your mad. team to fight me waiting in ambush? You needed help? Uh, I love this idea. The, the idea that like, I'm not a queen. You are a king. And I don't have... I, that's what I posted on. Yes, I loved that. No no subjects, only equals. I just love that line. Yeah, because Storm is where it's at. And obviously we knew she couldn't die. Obviously. Right? And and Vulcan isn't even really taken out. Lotus Logos uses the Mysterium to create this shell, this prison for him to hold him in stasis. He kind of looks like Pickle Rick, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Morty, look, look, I'm, I'm, I'm in Mysterium body. Oh. Uh, help help me out morty i'm stuck oh jeez god morty oh pickle rick and then the name in the name of the brotherhood that's what it's all about help each other in the name of brotherhood to really take back what that word has meant to x-men lore Mm -hmm. as we get a really awesome data page such a great data page as cable gives the rundown as brand escaped which kind of makes me mad yeah, quite annoying. WizKid now runs S.W.O.R.D. with a team of people that are all the folks that weren't going to disappear, wanted to still stay on. Which I love. Who does that leave? Weaponless Zen. Oh, and just the painting of truth. And to see 
not to see, but to hear. Like we have yet to, to see her power in action, right. but have only had th- this being people the, describe it the biggest yeah. reference to her power in action. Mm. And then you know, reading this, yeah, I knew last as you, bit as you gotta know it, a black ace. And then you flip the page, and the slow tease as the egg on the world farm. We're opening up and revealing. Slowly but surely. The third sinister. The third sinister with the spade on his face. Dun, dun, dun. He looks so old and decaying. He really does. Gotta get it's you like some... that orb is keeping him alive somehow. No, yeah, it definitely is. That's why he even says, this ancient body won't last out the day without proper medical support and I refuse to die. So I think that all these tubes... Do you think he is in his OG body? I think so, yeah. From when he broke out of the test tube? Which is interesting to think about. So, like, obviously, our sinister is not. He Mm -hmm. clones himself repeatedly. Is stasis? Because we haven't seen any hint towards that. I feel like stasis could be, but he's using some kind of different technology to... Regen, or maybe he's cloning himself because Stasis was working with like clones mm-hmm. and, and things like that. That's true. That's true. So he could just be cloning himself without the mutant gene. And I mean, technically, are garbage. Stellaris it was cloning robot things with the Lethal Legion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he just like being in deep space maybe aged him or made it more difficult for him. Yeah. This was crazy that Marvel <laughs> revealed this on Wednesday afternoon. They also. We're in such it. a rush to reveal it that they did it wrong. They, I, I saw that in the comments. Did they put a, the, a club on his head? They put spades on both him and Stasis. I mean, we've all made mistakes. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm, There's definitely a social media mistakes that I've made in my life. But slow down. Like, I don't know. I just... In that respect, like, I know we've had conversations of, like, why do they do that? And you've said, oh, because they want to get people to read it. But, like, in that instance, like, you could post that days later and people would still want to read it and be like, oh, what is this? What is this about? We have one more suit to reveal. Like, I just feel like that's such a slap in the face to your fans. Like, and especially with this, like, this is something we're building towards. This is, like... We're just like going up the, we're like at the part of the roller coaster where it's going like click, 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 click. And you're going to just, I don't know, put that out on the internet. Yeah. If I I had seen that, I would have been so angry. I get the idea of you're revealing something. So maybe if, but like if I wasn't reading X-Men Red, this doesn't mean anything to me. So Mm -hmm. if I see this, if I'm just a casual on the internet and I see this, like, okay, cool. Something weird is going on with the mutants. Classic X-Men. But if I'm a reader of this, it's early Wednesday afternoon and I'm right. still at work I'm and I'm pissed. not working. I'm on Instagram and I'm looking at this post. Because we all do it. Sure. And I see this and I'm like, are you are you kidding me? This this is the last page. I mean, honestly, the point that you texted me in the day like was around the time where I usually like st- stop and like give myself a little break and peruse the internet. And when you were like, Watch out, Marvel already spoiled the last page of X-Men Red. I was like, okay, I'm just not going on the internet. Like, I'm just not doing it. Because I had Trial of Magneto spoiled for me by Marvel, and I wasn't about to let them spoil X-Men Red when it's my favorite comic. Right. Yeah, it's different when it's another content creator or someone that's just 
throwing it out there. Also not great, especially, you know, before Friday, Saturday. I've been very conscious of just the amount of stuff that we post and post just because I don't want to I don't want to steal that from people. I don't want to take that that uh, that surprise away from you. It just changes how you react and how you feel about the story when you don't and it, and about the reveal itself right. when you know it's coming before you get the build up and experience it how it's intended to be experienced. You know, getting all the likes be damned. I'd rather yeah. be able to talk with people who get to experience it real time. Right. Big picture. <laughs> what did you think? Amazing. Yeah, that was so many satisfying moments. Like Fisher King and Brand and just I think it's cool that we're getting another sinister. I was like so pumped because I was like, "Yo, Justin, you totally called this. Like you said that a while ago." Yeah. Um so I I thought I think, that I think, was cool. I, the only reason why I'm downplaying that is just a bunch of people did. Right, right, but like still in our in my life in your life, you were one of the first people who said it to me, so I think that's cool. Just Storm in general and the the power of the brotherhood, the strength of the brotherhood. Yeah, just, and just the like course the, of Araco and yeah. where that's going, the Iraqi. I mean, the writing of this book and the way that this title has gone over the whole course of it is it's it's my favorite one. Like I'm always excited to read X Men Red. I still have the trade in my cart. I'm I'm just probably buy it. still gonna get it. Just buy it. I've actually read so I bought Inferno recently just because mm-hmm. again there are things that when you get to read them as a condensed story and not fishing through and just holding it in your hand and getting able to being able to flip through pages it's a different experience yeah and you know, I did that with Ten of Swords I got Ten of Swords the paperback version well we've I, had this conversation also like the trades live on a shelf the comics live in the boxes yeah so one day they must all be displayed and we must want to pick them up boop for easy access I just want to revisit that let me just Pull that off the shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only the highlights. Only the big ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I will I will be honest. I was like, well, if I'm getting X-Men Red, should I also get Hellions? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Hellions, let's go. Yeah. Curls says that Al deserves all the awards. Phenomenal ending to the story. The reveal we all wanted. Mm-hmm. And let's not. Uh, it's not an ending. I hope. It's just a pause, right? It's a we're, pause. We're going we into Sins of Sinister. Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a really good ending. For sure. A.M. Friedrich, holy crap, what a reveal. I think we saw it coming, but great no less. Mm-hmm. Who's the heart? His bet is on the Peacock Man, but the wild theory, Beast, heart sinister. Uh, that's that's uh, two people that are like, what if Beast is also, I mean, he's doing it. He's doing sinister things. My vote's for the Peacock Man. I was sitting here staring hard at this cover trying to see if, because you know Josh, devil in the details, and I'm like, are the Peacock Man's eyes red? And, well, that would be the colorist, actually. But um, they are. At least in this image, they look red. I'm voting Mother Righteous. Oh, right. Mother Righteous, too. I just, I feel like the fact that we have not seen her without a mask we have not peacock man plays too closely to stasis in mm-hmm. terms of similarities right so sinister he is doing all this stuff he's the the mutant version of nathaniel essex mhm stasis is the human version you know he's fighting for the humans stellaris is 
deep space doing robot stuff. And then you have Mother Righteous who is on the astral plane. The only reason that I hesitate to think that it's Mother Righteous is that all of the Sinisters, like all of the Essexes, all have some sort of lab, some sort of experiments, some sort of cloning, and Mother Righteous doesn't. I mean, she's she's got the Ghost Rider thing going. But... We don't know a whole lot about what she has. We only see what she's revealed to us. And, and that has been independent of... She has all those little orbs of people's spirits, essentially. Yeah. Right? I you just... know, that could be compared to the the database of Krakoa, of, of having people's, essentially their souls. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I when you look at her and and you think about it, you're like, ooh, and I'm pretty sure she does have red eyes too, and there's definitely an argument for her. And the the other two reasons why is one that takes away whatever initial plan that Ben had, because you know Stasis was introduced more recently. Mm-hmm. Peacock Man has been since issue one, so obviously Ben had someone in his mind. And then maybe abandoned it to fit into this larger plot. Right. But or then also, not. the other part, Cy Spurrier is the other major player in Sins of Sinister. And if you're going to reveal who another Sinister is, it's likely going to be in the third book that is relevant to Sins of Sinister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we do have the whole thing that's going on with Nightcrawler and Archangel that is also tied to Sins of Sinister. So... Comic Extracts thought that the Korra and Zen interaction was amazing in the opening pages. And Korra, with a huge power boost for Cable, shows a early power link between Iraqi and Krakoan mutants. Plus, Laktuka and Manifold breaking all the barriers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now, it's great to see them working together and to, to change those ideas of what power could be. Mm-hmm. Warlion saying that X-Men Red was really great considering everything that didn't have Vulcan and Storm in it. He's very upset about the fight. It says it was bland, a classic Ewing trope from back in his Royals run where the dialogue keeps mentioning a fight that technically doesn't take place. And I would say the fight takes place. It just wasn't as grand as it potentially has been billed as. And even still, you have these two that are being said to be evenly matched in their Omega Power how much can you, you bash all of the, the elements at each other until you do something technical, uh, strategic? Are you going to have this take place over a couple of issues? And he's not dead either. Like, right. He's defeated. He's shelved. But I don't know. I think that it it was the point of the moment was for Vulcan to be throwing a temper tantrum. And for Storm to let it play out and then be like, the strength, like, true strength is not in yourself. It's in this community. It's in unity. And I understand that there's a want for an epic battle, but I just feel like Storm doesn't do something just because it, it's what someone wants her to do or because it's the flashy thing to do. Mm. And I feel like the way that she, it's like, you know, obviously, I only know so much about Storm, but I get this sense of like a mother figure, an educator, a mentor. And in that moment, in that fight, I still felt that from her. Yeah, she was letting him. him, it was a teachable moment, you know? She's letting him get his angst out, letting him go to the extreme and just biding her time for the right moment to be like, Are you done now? Yeah. 
because she never intended she was never intended to fight him he just wanted a fight and she was like well I, we don't really need to do this like it's really not worth it yeah oh so john's comics with john over from omni x-men wanted a bigger battle as well between storm and vulcan he says that it was over too quickly and i i get it because it's been billed for a couple of issues and mm -hmm. then you know it did have the grandiose explosions and, and fire and flames, but only over a couple of pages. And that might have also just been the timing of everything, right? To, to wrap this up before Sins of Sinister. Yeah, there was and a I lot of things that needed to be addressed. I don't think that was ever intentionally in the details initially, just something that came out of other conversations. Mm -hmm. Warline also bringing up the fact that Jordan White mentioned recently that Vulcan's son will have a role in the story going forward which didn't happen yet. So do we think that the story isn't over and that Vulcan would be free again? Personally, I think he will, thanks to the data page, which I loved. It also highlights Cable's care and love of Vulcan, like mm -hmm. the uncle right. relationship and the fact that he doesn't want him to be dead. He doesn't right. want him well, to be completely removed. There's a different version of him still inside there somewhere. Right. That's not been manipulated by these evil bug people. Right. And that's the other reason why I feel like Storm wasn't interested in an all-out battle of destruction because she knows that... Vulcan's hurting. Right. There's you know, other he, things in, at play here. Yeah. Michael Fox wants to know, what do we think will happen with Brand once X-Men Red comes back? I feel like she's on ice for a little while. You know, I feel like she's going to bide her time. She's going to be playing in, in the hiding. background. She's going to maybe hook back up with Orcus and do something that they're doing. And maybe that again, is Fall of X. I was talking to Warlion earlier about the fact that is she trying to find some place to meet up with Beast? Is that something that gets furthered because of his desire to want to make bigger steps and her ability to provide him the landing? I don't think that he's going to go to Orcus, but he also doesn't know that that's where she is. Right. Interesting. Also, maybe her and the bug people just met up somewhere. Yeah. They I, all got blasted off into space and they're all together. I think that that's got some valid points to it, that, that uh -huh, she is the yeah. the leader of the bugs. The leader of the bugs. Grim Elkin Lane, Chad loves the exploration of Zen's powers. Oh, it makes sense. I'm I'm talking about my own thing for a second. I just had like a pow revelation. Like, aren't they the ones who originally were like Vulcan? Yeah. You're the top dog. So Wait. weren't they the ones who were trying to like, there was like this whole thing of like restoring him to his king self and like his emperor or his emperor self. They were the one that seeded the the shell and, and like the whole, the shell is broken. Right. Right. So they're the ones that cooked in that fact of, so maybe. So it makes sense because yeah. she's, she wants to puppet him and she wants him to have this notion of himself. Yeah. So. Pete Woods 86 is asking, you know, who do we think the three aliens real supreme overlord is from page five, the way that we were reading it as we went through? I, I think Brand is a great answer. Yeah. They do call the T.O. virus the glory of the phalanx contagion. Do we think that that's the real master, the dominions, the phalanx? Could, Could that be. be something? Could be. Yeah. He also asks, where did Brand go? How did the Fisher King know and what happens to her next? And I think the Fisher King knew everything about Brand because of the painting of Zen's truth. Yes. Right? Uh, what happens next? I'm not sure. I, I still think Brand being the big 
bad in the background for these 10 issues, even further if you count mm-hmm. Sword, I, I feel like we're going to find something else in the first couple of issues after Sins of Sinister. Yes, I think. As Bran recoups her power. I think she's like in hiding for Sins of Sinister and then she'll come back. Well, she's definitely off the table for Sins of Sinister. But well, and that, that was another thing that I was asking, like, how does that even work with her building and Orcus? And we'll find out. Speaking of Zen's power, Grey Malkin Lane loves the exploration of Zen's powers and just mm-hmm. actually getting the reveal of I how it, it works. No, yeah, that was such an interesting point of Legion of X mm-hmm. and what she revealed of Nightcrawler's true self. And I just think like when you think about Zen and Korra together, like those are two really awesome mutants that have come on the scene in the Krakoan Age. And yeah. I'm just like... So excited to see where they go and how they develop. Absolutely. Rufy O'Connor hopes Red doesn't end. And I know, I'm sorry. But if it does, I wonder what's next in the ex-Ewing saga after Sins of Sinister. Because I think, you know, what I was saying in the post that I did, X-Men Red as a team is gone, right? That was brand building an X-Men of Mars. Mm -hmm. That's off the table. So for this to come back under a different name makes complete sense right. to me. I don't think the writing or the story no. or like the group, Ewing would the have title another, Yeah, Ewing would have another story. But I don't know. I, it sounds like Ewing is coming back with some more X-Men Red until Fall of X maybe. And then who knows? Who even knows what's happening after that? It's, it's a mystery. Yeah. Mike loves Mariah Carey. Storm was drawn so beautifully this week. Oh, I yeah, love her was. current outfit. I think... That fight was well done, and she showed off her leadership of X-Men skills. And I think that's what we're talking about. I would that, agree with all of this. Right. No, I love the new look. I love it's, it's just so amazing. It's a mix of modern and classic, and just it looks so badass. Yeah, it does. It really does. Eric Huffman, I gotta know who called the spade sinister at the end of Red. Dang, big reveal. Mm-hmm. And there was a handful of people that were calling it on the internet, and I was still feeling that same way, but feel like we were all there we were all hoping for it thinking about it because because once they revealed it and even when they teased it in immortal x-men yeah even even colossus knows that there's two other suits like okay all right right so you're you're pointing to the fact that someone else is going to be and they're not just going to say like oh yeah someone some random even colossus knows well it was it was less so colossus knows who it is more so colossus could deduce the fact that there are two other suits because they're calling colossus dumb yes that's rude yeah. <laughs> Not inaccurate. Yeah. Still mean. Sure. But that's okay. No, yeah, that was a big week. That was whoa, Nelly. Only three Krakoan books, basically, with the. And honestly, those three books, like, hibbity bibbity, my goodness. Yeah. My brain. Woo. What's coming next week? I don't remember. We're going to be on vacation. We are going to be on vacation. We're bringing the mics and we're probably going to record. We gotta. We got to. Yeah, we'll see. We did last time, didn't we? No, we waited until we came back. Oh, yeah, we did. But well, maybe after that, we'll get ourselves back on some kind of rhythm. Who knows? We also do generally take Wednesdays off from the mountain. We'll go snowboarding right. next week. But it's more about the day of recording and less about the day of reading. Yeah. And we're going to be with family, so, you know. But we'll get you an episode. But Dark Web, Miss Marvel number two. Ooh. Mary Jane and Black Cat number two yes. and Amazing Spider-Man number 17. Okay. Triple dose of Dark Web. And then for our Krakoan side, Wolverine number 29. Oh my God. 
Legion of X, number nine. Okay. And X-Men, number 18. Ooh, oh, yeah. Baby. I've been checking out the preview pages of those guys. Getting excited. Exciting stuff. Oh, man. Well, until next time, old friend. Charles! Thanks so much for joining us today on the X-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 